Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All kinds of changes in the NFL, Mark. Do we like them? Well, depends on which change you're talking about. Well, I know what I'm talking about. What are you talking about? Well, the Indianapolis Colts have new alternate uniforms. Okay. We're on the same page. The Washington Commanders have a new owner. Mm-hmm. The Washington Commanders might also have new uniforms because the Washington Commanders might have a new name. We're doing that again? I didn't see that. We're doing, we're, we just went through that three-year trial. Now they're going back from Commanders to something else? I have always said this, and I am stunned that nobody has ever followed my lead on this because I think it's so brilliant. You are a trendsetter. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, and I realized that part of this probably now goes out the window because the previous ownership group led by Daniel Snyder included an executive for FedEx. But considering that the Washington Commanders play in FedEx Field, or they did, I, I assume that's still the name of the stadium, Corporate stadiums, you never know. They change a million times, right? Uh-huh. Like, you know, lest I remind you that last night Snoop was at Deer Creek, which became the Ruoff Center. Well, it was the Verizon Center, I think, at one point. You know, it's it's Deer Creek. Yeah, Verizon Amphitheater is how I remember it. Um, but when the Washington Redskins were looking to change their name because of the controversy there, understandably so, I thought the – easiest solution because they have a very cool alternate uniform the Washington football franchise does that is like a basically an arrowhead arrow I just thought they should be the Washington arrows because FedEx has an arrow in the middle of their logo mm-hmm. so you 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 do it both from a corporate standpoint and you do it from a subliminal standpoint etc the Washington arrows Seemed I did always like that me. nickname that you, you suggested. That was always a solid one, I think. Yeah. And I like those jerseys. Those jerseys and helmet combos are very sweet. The, I like they ones. are. They're like the Florida State ones. Now, the the Indianapolis arrows, of course, that were put together and everybody thought was going to be a Major League Baseball team, I still – there is a there is a hat company. I won't say the name of it because I want to be the only one that gets it. But periodically, and I missed the last time they did this, they actually have produced and made Indianapolis arrows hats. Interesting. And or produced and made is redundant, but produced and sold. And that is my goal in life is to get an Indianapolis Arrows hat. But uh, nonetheless, the Washington Commanders, by the way, the, the sale that went to Josh Harris is the gentleman's name that is leading the sales group. Roger Goodell called him, quote, a great addition. Uh, this was actually kind of spearheaded by Jim Irsay. Harrison Snyder entered into an exclusive agreement May 12th, but the NFL's finance committee According to Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Irsay, wanted Harris to adjust his offer to get in compliance with NFL guidelines that he could not carry more than $1.1 billion in debt. And the committee wanted him to have more equity in the purchase. The primary owner must put up 30% of the sum. I, I've i got less than $1.1 billion in debt. Am I eligible? Yeah, let's go in and have these on it. So Daniel Snyder being out is the best news in the NFL ever. He's the biggest puke. In pro sports. Oh, uh, Commanders fans were like popping champagne like they just won yeah, the Super Bowl yeah. yesterday. Uh, good morning to you on a Friday. A good looking Friday at that. My name is Jake Quarry. That's the voice of Mark Dykton. Sam Fritz is here wearing a red, white, and blue Pacers hat. 
That's an alternate hat for what, Sambino? Uh, alternate hat. I, I believe it's just a, a, an alternate styling. I don't know if it represents anything other than good old America. Let's just throw whatever colors we can under the logo, right? Mm-hmm. It's a cool-looking hat, though. Yeah. Um, the Colts have new alternate uniforms. They were released yesterday. Right after we got off the air. And everybody is comparing it to Duke. Yeah. For me, I don't know about – my first thought when I saw them was they looked like – and I'm talking about the, the the uniforms, not the helmets. They look like Indiana State. Yeah, like it's, it's sycamores across the chest or something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the same color of like a royal, like a darker royal blue. Basically, all blue uniforms with a black helmet with a blue horseshoe on mm-hmm. I, I would say personally, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. It, yeah, it didn't blow me away. I mean, it, it's in the Colts' defense, it's kind of hard to do much with when you have two colors and one of them's white and you've had the same logo and and combination forever. Now, are the Colts the only here's – here's one for you. How many franchises can you name whose logo changes color from the helmet to print? Hmm. Like the the logo is a blue horseshoe on their helmet, yeah. right? Uh-huh. But more but like when you get your season tickets, it's a blue background with a white horseshoe. Yeah, that's true. Never really thought about it like that. Depending on what you're getting with the Colts, if you buy a Colts hat, it's a blue hat with a white horseshoe. More often than not, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right on that? Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Never thought know, about that. What one. what other team I, I, I can't think what of other team the changes their logo based on whether or not it's on their stuff or yours. See, this is the kind of stuff that keeps me yeah, awake. Your brain is way you know too what, active. Do you know another thing that I thought about this morning? When I got up and I was driving in, I thought about this this morning. Are you ready? This is the kind of stuff that keeps me awake at night. This is the neurosis that keeps a 50-year-old guy with a uh-huh. bad ticker awake all hours of the night and then allows him to come in here and just on like 90 minutes sleep. Are you ready? Sure. What would you imagine is the the biggest U.S. city that has the smallest percentage of people who've actually visited it, and what is the smallest U.S. city that has the highest percentage of Americans that have visited it? You eat too many SpaghettiOs if that's what your brain's doing. Sam's thinking. I I saw Sam. He was staring at the ceiling. He was thinking about it. He thought that's a good question. It's got to be smallest city with highest percent. It's got to be a a Hawaiian city, right? A Honolulu of sorts. How many people have been to Honolulu, though? Well, first off, Honolulu is a big city, but well, but I'm I'm saying smallest with largest percentage. That there's a lot that would go into factoring that number. How how small would you are we? Or I guess are, I should look this up. What is a, a small city by population? Well, size? what I'm saying is, if you had a list of every single populated area in the United States, and then next to it you had a list of the percentage of Americans that have been there, what is the one that you would say? Oh, okay, that the highest percentage have been to the city right here. What city would it be? I, my guess would be Orlando. And that's not a tiny city, but, I mean, it's not a, I mean, it's a bigger city, but my guess would be Orlando. Because I would imagine that a higher percentage of Americans have been to Orlando than most cities. My my guess for the largest city with the smallest percentage of people who have visited it would be, actually, Honolulu would be up there, because I don't know how many people have made it over to Hawaii, but my guess would be Houston. Yeah, that would that was like my what, guess. what reason would you have to go to Houston unless you have to go to Houston? Yeah, 
Like no one goes on vacation in Houston, right? And it's kind of rem- it's kind of out of the way of everything. It's not like you drive through Houston. Maybe you want to check out the H- Hakeem Olajuwon statue or something. <laughs> I mean, but and it's a massive area. But like, unless you were going to Houston for a specified reason, you wouldn't go through Houston. And there's nothing where people would say like, oh. We're going to go on vacation and spend a weekend in Houston, whereas people do that in Chicago. Houston is one of the most spread out cities I've ever visited. It's just a huge. I mean, you're just like, oh, there's the Rocket Stadium. Where's the Texans Stadium? Oh, it's like 20 miles this yeah, way. And it's then just a huge. The I have always said this away. about Houston, Texas. If you took the Keystone at the Crossing area and imagined that that was formulated by a drop of water, like you dropped a water, you, you took one little droplet of water mm-hmm. and it created eight hotels and a mall and restaurants, imagine an entire paintbrush filled with those droplets and then just sprinkled over like a huge flatland area, and that's Houston. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Uh, but anyway, how was your Thursday evening? Good morning to you. It was not too bad. Uh, watched a little more of the quarterback series. Watched the oh god, watched the Cubs and Cardinals game. That was horrible. Um, did a little bit of that, and then was kind of just reacting to the Indiana Knights jerseys by the Colts. I, I think they're fine. I mean, it's a one game. I think they're using them in, what, week seven against the Browns, so... Fine, do do a one game thing with it, but it was nothing that blew me away. It was nothing where I'm like, yes, have these be mainstays for the next decade plus. He's just kind of like, okay, do these for one year and then maybe back to the drawing board or something. I was just confused with the all black helmet when you have the blue and white. Why wouldn't you just do like a blue helmet with the white horseshoe logo? Now, allow me to ask this. I'm still not clear on this. Are these uniforms that are being put out by Nike? Or are these just the franchises themselves having fun with it? I'm not sure. Like, you know, you have the color rush. Remember there was that time, I don't know there, if they're yeah. still doing it, the color rush jerseys. Yeah, I think they've kind of pushed back on that. They kind of just do, like, throwbacks now and everything. But um, I mean, that's what half these teams – the Colts, in defense of the Colts, it's hard because how do you do throwbacks when you've been wearing the same right. thing forever, right? I mean, it's like Levi's saying, like, hey, we're going to come out with the, the Levi's throwback jeans. Yeah. Uh, well, I – James Dean was wearing the same jeans as, you know what I mean? Yeah. As Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, what are we going to do here? I, yeah, and like you said, it doesn't help that the Colts' two colors are blue and white. You can only do so much with those. So unless you are doing, like, all black uniforms or if you're going, like, throwing in gray like they did a couple years ago. But are, it's uh, nothing. is every team doing this? I don't know if every team is doing because I know other teams have just regular alternate jerseys they they do throughout the throughout the year, but some are just debuting new versions of them that they're going to wear this year. I feel like this is the time of year when teams are busting out their you know social media teams getting all excited. Let's unveil the new jerseys. Training camps just around the corner, so you see like the Browns bringing out the all whites, or you see the Eagles bringing out their old ones, or like your favorite, the Seahawks, going back in time with their all blues. So. I'm it's just that you, time of year. My buddy Quinn that said the Seahawks ones are awful. I'm like, hey. whoa, that's slander, my friend. But yeah, so what are your thoughts on the Colts Indiana Knights jerseys? Do you love them? Do you hate them? Are you indifferent? Are you going to go out and buy one? I mean, they, the the color and the pattern on the blue looks kind of cool. It's like the heather blue or whatever they called it. That looked kind of neat. The, the the black the black helmets on the blue uniform were a bit odd choice for me, but. That might just be me. So three one seven two three nine ten seven. What do they say that, that they're a tribute to the Indiana boys on the Indiana Knights? I yeah, mean, obviously that's Tom Petty reference, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's I, fine. here's here's the thing, Mark. You the Indiana State thing was a great call by you though, because yeah, it's like that looks familiar. But I yeah. mean, most people said Duke. Uh huh. Or like my, a Panthers. My, my thought or is this alternate. Though, here's the thing. My thought is that. 
It's like the movie Revenge of the Nerds. I'm going in the way back there, I realize. In Revenge of the Nerds, the Lambda Lambda Lambdas are selling pies. It's because they have Betty Child's picture at the bottom of the of the pie. You buy a pie and you eat the pie, and then there's Betty Child's picture at the bottom of it, right? Uh-huh. But the, the Lambda Lambda Lambda, the line to buy the pies is like wrapped around the entire place, and the Alpha Betas can't figure out why the Lambda Lambda Lambs are selling so many of these cheap pies. So they buy one to find out what's the hub hub about it, and Ogre's eating the pie, and Stan Gable's like, how is it? He's like, it's good. He's like, well, no, I mean, like, why are they selling so many? Is it good or is it great? And Ogre looks at him and goes, eh, it's good. And that's it. He's like, eh, it's good. The Colts uniforms, I, I, I think, I don't know that we're going to get much reaction, Mark, because I don't know that it that it creates in people a huge passion either way. I think most people's reaction is going to be, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. Well, do you love them or do you hate them? Oh, they're fine. I seem to see it was. It seemed to be almost like a split decision as far as whether people liked them or hated them. I've seen a little bit of both. I don't know that anybody but... would hate them as much as they hate the missed opportunity for something completely outside the box. Yeah. Like I think the. I, I'm just guessing. I don't want to speak for people, even though I'm about to. I, my guess is that the vast majority of people listening right now were like, "Yeah, they're fine. Whatever. It didn't really blow me away either way." Yeah. That's, that like they didn't hate them. I'm not saying they're bad, but I don't think people were like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to watch the game. I have to check this one out because of the color of the jerseys they're wearing. I mean, you think about some of the teams when they wear their throwbacks. Is it the, you know, the Steelers have those like bumblebee looking oh, ones. Oh, I hate those ones. Remember the Jets have the uniforms that, mm-hmm. the, of the New York Titans that are like brown? The Packers have like blue jerseys yeah, or something. Yeah, I mean, so some of those, you know, it's like, what are we doing? And I think with the Colts one, it's like it's not too far outside the box in either direction. So it's like, it's like, did you ever watch that show, Extreme Home Makeover? Yeah, Ty Pennington. Yeah. Good morning, Wilson it's, family. It, he's sick. Is that right? I don't know. He was at the Barbie premiere, and then I guess he had like a health issue. Weren't we went to the ICU or something? I think he's like seriously sick, right? I think he's fine now. I, I he was tweeting, or I guess he's on Instagram. I don't follow him, but I saw it on like. The entertainment sites or something but saying did, he was fine. But did you ever watch that show oh, and yeah. like you're super excited and then they unveil it and you can tell the people are like, really? Like I kind of thought it would be more mm-hmm. than that. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how it was, right? Yeah. The screen came up. But I was right at 10 o'clock. I was refreshing like crazy. It's like, oh, there they are. All right. That's fine. That's something to talk about tomorrow. Alex has a good one in the chat, by the way, when you were asking about uh, teams' logos that change. He said the Jets. The The... The New York football Jets. Because they have the green font for, like, the Jets if they're on white. And if they're on green, then it's like a white yeah, you're right. Jets logo. You're right. I think that's right. Well, if you have a white hat, yeah. Yeah, you do the green-like font. Yeah. I guess it would come down basically to anybody that wears a white helmet with colored print on it, right? That's true. I mean, it's basically that that simple. Yeah. You know. So not only just Jersey talk today, we got more stuff going on. We got not the Indiana- only Jersey talk. <laughs> we've got, please, we've got our last four pack of Indiana State Fair tickets. We'll give those away a little bit later. We got our last pair of WWE Fastlane tickets. We'll give those away as well. It's a freebie Friday for the pop quiz. We've got Greg Reichstraw joining us in a little over fifteen minutes. Get a little football talk from him, some training camp thoughts. Also, the Women's World Cup is underway. Let's get some soccer talk there. Plus, George Bremer going to join us at 9 o'clock to get more Colts and training camp talk as well. Plus, I want to throw something at Jake where um, oh, could be. Thanks. 
I know. Could be a problem issue for the Colts. We already we've already addressed it as kind of a weak position, but it could be an even bigger issue than I thought initially when I was looking at the schedule the other day. So we'll go over that a little later in the show. Um, but what else did you do last night? Anything? No. Um, I you know I got to get ready to go to Iowa today. So just kind of minding that. We did go to dinner last night, so that was cool. I had to pick up. Um, a prescription for a medicated mouthwash. I've got some sort of a – Ty Pennington, I saw, had a sore throat for like a month he couldn't get rid of. It turned out to be an abscess. Oh. Um, I, I don't know what I have, but I, I, I've tested negative for everything. Tested negative for everything, but I have like the back of my throat. I think I have a canker sore in the back of my throat. I can't get rid of it. It's terrible. Don't so eat a mint. What's that? Don't eat mints. They're bad for my cankers. Are they really? Well, that's from Seinfeld. Oh, okay, thanks. What about a junior mint? <laughs> That's right. Uh, by the way, Jeremy says this, the smallest city with the highest percentage of people that visited, Sturgis, South Dakota. The rapid city I thought of that Gary also mentioned, and I agree because of not only the Sturgis, you know, Harley deal, but also because of the proximity to Mount Rushmore. I mean, that, that's a pretty good call. Pretty good call. Yeah, that checks out. Gatlinburg, several people have mentioned. The Orlando one makes a lot of sense, though. I mean, that place is always popping. And, uh, well, and most if, people, if those I theme think, parks weren't there, I don't know if Orlando would be a destination. Some of the places, Gatlinburg and the Dakotas, to an extent, are regionalized. Like, people that are riding their Harley to Sturgis are probably coming from the Plains or, like, like the Denver area. Mm -hmm. I don't know that many I, – I could be wrong. I mean, maybe they come from all over the country. Um, but it's a pretty specific group. And I know it's a lot. Don't get me wrong. Orlando, it's like I, I think people all over the country, if they have kids, at some point go to Disney World, right? Yeah, and like Sturgis, that's like a, what, what, like a one week, couple week thing. I mean, Disney, yeah, Disney huge. in Orlando Correct. is year, all year round. round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. constant. That's yeah. a constant stream of people from all over the country, all over the world, just visiting that area. Now, did you have you watched any of the Women's World Cup? Uh, it just got started yesterday. I did not watch anything there. I know that Canada was kind of in a in a tight one last night. But the U.S. women get underway tonight. Uh, they're playing Vietnam at 9 p.m., so that'll be pretty interesting. Alex Morgan and company getting on the pitch. My buddy um, Marcus that I grew up with, we went to North Central together. He was my college roommate, actually. Gosh, seven years ago, he was working for a company in Columbus, Ohio, and his company came to him and said, hey, we need somebody to basically spearhead our Auckland, New Zealand office. Would you be willing to move there for one year? So he sat down with his wife. They had two kids that were just entering school, and they're like, let's just do it. I mean, how, you know, what are the odds we'll ever get this chance again? So they moved to Auckland. After the year, they came to him and said, would you be willing to do a second year? Well, he's now in his, like, eighth year or seventh year or whatever in Auckland, and he has he bought tickets to, like, I don't know if it's, like, season tickets or a pass for all of it, but he's been sending us photos of, like, every game. That's pretty awesome. He was at New Zealand, Norway. He's a soccer official in Auckland. That's his side gig. Um, and he's all excited for the USA-Vietnam game. Yeah, I would be too. It's, I mean, the U.S. women, unlike the men, are the heavy favorites to uh, win the World Cup this year. So we'll see if they can do it again. And pretty should be pretty interesting. I, I'm, I'm into it. I always think the World Cup is fun, regardless of whether it's the men's or the women's uh, version. But it's, it's always fun to watch. And obviously, the U.S. women have a lot more... Of a lot more history and success in the World Cup than the men's side do, so should be a fun watch. Uh, that like again gets underway tonight, 9 p.m. Uh, USA against Vietnam. 
Uh, Sturgis has bikers from all over the country, I'm told. I, I, okay, I mean, my only thing to your point, and, and I don't dispute how massive that is, but it's a it's in the grand scheme of the U.S. population, it's a fairly esoteric group is what I'm getting at. It's a fairly niche audience. Yeah, Branson, Missouri, uh, that's decent. Probably re- not not Orlando level, but decent, right? Mm-hmm. But also a different size. Like city. I said, Orlando is year round, constant stream of people. Were you aware of the fact, and we're going to have Greg Gregstraw on to talk about this and other things coming up in about 10 minutes, but were you aware of the fact that the Indy 11 have a women's team that's in season right now? No, I did not. I, I was aware of the Indy 11, uh, and then someone, I think, shot us a tweet or someone was like, hey, you should talk about the Indy 11 women. I'm like, I had no idea there was an Indy 11 women's team. And that's no offense to them. I just was unaware of it. I've never seen publication for it or anything like that. I had no idea. I'm not going to go off on my thing about anyone. Oh, well, that's why the new stadium's being built. I'm testing you right now. I'm at the gym yesterday. There's a guy, I won't say any names because I don't want to get anybody in trouble, who's pretty prominent in town, but he's not from, he's not born and raised in Indianapolis. He's a huge soccer fan, huge soccer fan. Played it in college, played it in high school. Comes from a city that's a major soccer city. He's pretty involved in the city of Indianapolis on a lot of boards. And he's like, look, I am the biggest soccer fan in this town. I He's like, I am. I think he he's already bought tickets to go see Messi, you know, the whole deal, right? He's it's hard like, to get the Taylor Swift tickets right now. He's like, this is the biggest disaster. He's like, who, who possibly approved for something that's, I don't care, I don't care if it's entirely public or privately funded. He's like $1 billion for a soccer stadium in a city that's never getting an MLS team. He's like, what are we doing? I'm like, I've been saying it forever, and and I'm telling you there are – none of it being illegal or or ill-intended necessarily, but if you really do a deep dive, there are some interesting intricacies and interwebs of the people involved that got that – put through mm-hmm. and the biggest hesitation I have and I know that people people want to tell me all the time you're just a hater of soccer no I'm not I have nothing against Indy 11 I had season tickets for the Indy 11 I, I I I have nothing against any of that I know what soccer means to kids in particular I get it I 100% get it I will go back to for the 1000th time when we built the largest publicly subsidized sports venue in the United States, we as the taxpayers of Indianapolis were repeatedly told till they were blue in the face, this is a one spend fits all purchase. We are coming to you for seven hundred and twenty million tax dollars to build a venue where then we don't have to come back to ask you ever again because it's a multi purpose facility. If the Indy 11 cannot sell enough tickets to make it a cozy atmosphere inside of a facility that is big enough to have a soccer pitch on it, that's not the fault of of me, John Q. Taxpayer. It's not. And secondly, the $1 billion project of the Indy, and I know that it's more than just a stadium, it's an entire complex, there are dozens upon dozens upon dozens of empty restaurants, empty hotel spaces, empty retail spaces in downtown Indianapolis in the quadrant that is the first thing that people from out of town see when they're here for conventions or other such things. And in order to 
shift outside of the town to spend $1 billion on a new entertainment residential hotel sports complex is putting lipstick on a pig. This downtown area is dying on a vine. It is becoming a shell and a shadow of itself. And the notion that we're going to spend money on something that no one even understands or has been clarified how much tax money is going into it, and there's not been any sort of definitive game plan on what it means or where it's headed, to me is absolutely irresponsible, it's reckless, it's asinine, and it is absolutely avoiding and turning your back on the dire situations in downtown Indianapolis. End of rant. Uh, just did you get it all out of your system? I no. did. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that we'll table that talk for later, but we've got Greg Regstraw coming up very quickly. We've also got George Bremer as well. Again, plus Indiana State Fair, WWE Fastlane tickets, and a whole lot more. It's Kevin and Query on a Friday morning, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Cincinnati Redlegs staying in the win column. 5-1 yesterday over the San Francisco Giants. So that snide coming off of the All-Star break uh, might have been more about Milwaukee than it was uh the Giants, because the Brewers remain hot, beat the Phillies 4-0 yesterday. It was also the Braves over the Diamondbacks 7-5. Sorry, Mark. Ugh. Blue Jays over the Padres 4-0. White Sox over the Mets 6-2. Tigers beat the Royals 3-0. Mariners over Minnesota 5-love. Cute fella. The Baltimore Orioles now all alone. All alone. Soaring high. American League East. This has not gone well for me in the second half so far. My Cubs stink right now, and the Orioles will not lose. Baltimore Orioles now 59-37 and 37 in our race for PBR. What a dream year it's been for the cute fella. Cardinals over the Cubs 7-2 yeah, and the yeah, Astros that, over the Athletics yesterday. That, that Cardinals-Cubs game stunk yesterday. Women's World Cup got underway yesterday. New Zealand shut out Norway 1-0. Australia over Ireland 1-0. And Nigeria and Canada played to a 0-0 draw. So that going on today. Also, nice soccer uh, terminology there. I know. Thank you. USA. Alex Morgan and company get in action tonight, 9 o'clock. They take on Vietnam. They are heavy, heavy favorites to not only win this game, but to win the whole damn thing. So we'll I'll be see curious to ask Greg, for example, if the if the window is closing. Windows, that's the wrong way of saying it. If the gap is closing between the United States and other countries in women's soccer. We'll see. We'll ask Greg shortly coming up next. So we want to save it for then, I guess. Uh, Washington Commanders, by the way, do have new ownership. The sale is approved. Just over $6 billion dollars. A group led by Josh Harris, who lead, who owns other teams, Philadelphia 76ers notably. Um, the new owners of the Washington Commanders, there is talk, possible discussion, that the Commanders could change their imaging and their name. But we shall see. That has yet to be determined or announced if that is uh, definitively the case. Greg Rakestraw, of course, um, we can talk about the fact that yet another Indiana high school basketball player is leaving high school basketball in the state of Indiana, going into the prep ranks and the soccer chat as well. Rakestraw joins us other side on what is now a sun splash. We need to shut the blinds in here, boys. Sunny but beautiful Friday morning. Good morning to you. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, 21 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. Figured if we're going to talk about the Women's World Cup, and for that matter, Women's Indy 11, we would bring on Greg Rakestraw, who joins us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Greg, I'm going to begin by asking you the question that I just asked kind of rhetorically. Uh, as the United States gets set to play in the Women's World Cup in New Zealand, they are obviously a heavy favorite, but is the window shrink the window's the wrong word is the gap shrinking in terms of women's soccer between the United States and the rest of the world absolutely it is uh, and it is largely because the remainder of the world takes the sport a lot more seriously i.e the mega clubs in Europe have realized hey there is money for us to be made in terms of uh, you know, funding clubs and and signing players and things of that nature. Um, you know, something that you know that we figured out in the states. You know, some time ago. So it is it is definitely a window that is shrink. Or I shouldn't say a window again. You're saying it the right way. Uh, it's not that the window is shrinking. It's that everybody else is getting better, and I think you're seeing that in the scores across the board. Despite the uh despite the gap shrinking, the US women are still pretty heavy favorites. Would it be how big of an upset in your eyes would it be if they didn't make it to the World Cup final? Um a slight upset. They are the favorite. I wouldn't call them the heavy favorite. Um just because Spain is good and England is good and Germany is good. Germany's probably the second best team um, Canada is not that far behind the United States. They played to a nil-nil draw uh, against Nigeria in, in, in a match earlier this morning. Uh, last I checked, I, it's gone final by now, but uh, having to roll over and catch, Spain was up 3-0 on Costa Rica some 30 minutes in, uh, and they're thought to be kind of the co-second favorite along with Germany. You know, England's got a recent win against the United States. So the U.S. is the favorite but I wouldn't classify them as the heavy favorite. Greg, when you talk about women's soccer in other nations growing based on professional leagues, club leagues, et cetera, uh, I'll be honest, and I don't think I'm alone in this, so I'm not, so I'm not necessarily embarrassed to say it. Uh, I didn't realize that the Indy 11 do have a women's team. That I, My understanding is it's doubleheader this weekend with the men's team. This is year two for the women, is that right? That is correct. And, again, the women play – at what would be the equivalent of like a collegiate summer league in terms of like like baseball would be the case. Uh, the terminology that gets used by the USL is pre-professional. The translation, primarily college players. What's a little bit different, though, is that the Indy 11 have several players that have professional experience, simply aren't current professionals. The Indy 11 are not paying them, but we have a pretty deep talent pool to, to, to pick from here in Indianapolis. So, like, for example, Maddie Williams, uh, who has played for us in each of the last two years, Maddie played professionally in both, you know, the Netherlands and Spain. She scored 13 goals in Spain before the pandemic. These days she works off of her both undergrad and master's degree as an engineer and plays soccer on the side. We have four, if not five, players that are former pros that play for our team and the Indy 11 women's team will be a professional team in two years when the new stadium gets completed. They will play at the time in the USL Super League. So um, there right now are 12 professional teams in the United States. There's really one league, the NWSL. That will be changing effective next year. Well, there will be a second league called the USL Super League. Okay, Greg, a, a 
appreciate the clarification on those two things. I know you've got to run, but and I know you talked about this yesterday, but final minute with you, uh, your thoughts on the Colts uniforms. I like the helmets. I'm not crazy about the uniforms. I talked about this on, on Wednesday saying, hey, it's it's a shame the Colts don't get to have like these throwback unis, and I realize they have the ones with the horseshoes on the back and the striping of the piping is a little bit different. Um, again, the helmets I think are really cool. The uniforms are kind of okay, uh, but at the same time, the Colts have a classic uniform. Maybe we shouldn't complain about the Colts, you know, not getting to wear their throwbacks because they look they have rocked now for the better part of sixty years has seemingly lasted the test of time. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one beauty of having tradition, right? And tradition late. I've always said, Greg, the teams that suck the most are the ones that are changing their uniforms all the time, <laughs> right? Like the Arizona exactly. Diamondbacks have ten thousand uniforms. Well, you know, although they're actually a decent franchise. Uh, appreciate exactly. it, Greg. I know it's a busy Friday for you. Appreciate you sneaking on with us. You got it, fellas. Thank you. All right, Greg Regstraw on the Pedestalers hotline. We were talking about the soccer stadium and the whole complex. Dave joins us on the program. He called in at 239-1070. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Good, and good morning, Jake. Yeah, I'd like to clarify, a soccer field can be up to, is usually at least 70 to 80 yards wide. A regulation football field is 53 yards wide. And that um, 20-plus yards can be a big difference. And when they built Lucas Oil Stadium, they didn't didn't build it wide enough um, for most soccer teams to feel comfortable playing there. Did the Indy 11 play there? Yeah, they, they played there a couple games there, but did, I, I don't did, know if their league has a standard regulation to try to comply um, to get up to the 70 yards. Or, um, But um, it can it, it does if – you, if you're used to playing on a really wide field and you go to play at Lucas Oil Stadium, it does, does affect your play um, as a – to the other team, did the because you're not your your spacing isn't the same, right? Did the Premier League play there? I, I don't remember. Um, my my point being, they, Dave. Again, I want to go back to and make sure that that I'm clear here. None of this, the the Indy Eleven are an innocent victim in this. Okay, none of this is the fault of the Eleven, their demands, or whatever it might be. My point being, if if from an engineering standpoint, when they built Lucas Oil Stadium, they didn't factor in the soccer angles and aspects of it, that that's on the builders of Lucas Oil and the planners of that. But that's not what we were told. It's a bait and switch. We were told repeatedly that it was a one-size-fits-all construction project and that the largest publicly subsidized sports venue in the United States, being in Indianapolis, Indiana, was A-OK because accommodations would be made for it to be a one-size-fits-all. The 11 did play there. The, the conversation was that the dimensions weren't right, but they were still able to play games there. The I remember when the RCA Dome was built, and the narrative was that it, the, Indi, the Indianapolis Arrows, for example, that Major League Baseball had a chance because we now had a stadium for it. Then they had an exhibition old-timers game in 1984, realized that the left field line was too narrow, so baseball was not an option. The Metrodome in Minneapolis was wider for baseball. They erred in the building of that. They may have erred in the building of Lucas Oil Stadium so that it was not accommodating for soccer, and that is unfortunate for the Indy 11. Absolutely unfortunate. It is my belief, not fact, it is my belief and opinion that the Indy 11 were or is a soccer franchise that was developed 
with the intention in mind from the get-go of if we create a team, we can get a contract for a large stadium. And that the team was a caveat for a company to get a sole bid, not an open bid, for a large construction billion-dollar project in Indianapolis. That's what I was told from the very beginning, and I haven't seen anything to say that that's inaccurate. Again, I know that soccer is very popular. I know that the Indy 11, like I said, I had season tickets for them. I enjoyed going down there. Um, when I go in IndyCar is in St. Petersburg every year, I broadcast the race, and my broadcast location is right across from Al Lang Stadium, which is the home of the Tampa Bay Rowdies, which plays in the exact same league as the Indy 11. It's where the Indy 11 play their road games. It's a baseball stadium that was built in 1947. It, it looks like our old Bush Stadium, and apparently that's perfectly sufficient for a top 10 market in this country. No, I, you, I just, oh. I, I just think that the, the the one billion dollars in this city. I walk through downtown Indianapolis daily, obviously, right? And I love Indianapolis, love it. When I was a kid, doubled it for a dime time at Lenders. My parents and I would drive downtown, and and we would watch the development every Sunday night. The the new changes to the building of the AUL building, the building of the RCA dome, the building eventually of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The, the development of Indianapolis, it was a dream. This, this Literally, this city has been the blueprint, model blueprint of revitalizing a downtown and creating energy about it. And I loved everything about it. And I know that some of the things that have taken place in terms of the change of that dynamic are an inevitable part of the urban sprawl and the just civic growth within a community. I totally get it. Having said that, when Palomino left, when Hard Rock Cafe left, when Rock Bottom left, when Champs left, I remember saying, like, gosh, it's concerning the number of restaurants that are leaving. And people are like, what? You want more chains? No, I want places. I want spaces filled. I remember when they were building Circle Center, Bill Hudnut, you know, there was a lot of controversy about downtown because people are like, it's just a bunch of empty spaces and a bunch of holes downtown. It's because they were building Circle Center Mall. I get it. The malls and mall shopping has become a thing of the past. I mean, the, the online has stamped those things out. I totally understand it. But when you walk around many of the shops, many of the restaurants and bars, and certainly Circle Center, have become vacant. And when people come into Indianapolis and they talk about how we're the most walkable city and et cetera, it is the downtown quadrant that you need to build from there and then expand outward because people that visit Indianapolis to come to Colts games, to come to conventions, to come to Pacer games, to, to come to whatever it might be, they are staying in that downtown walkable quadrant. And, and that's the area that right now is a total eyesore. It is empty spaces, empty spaces, empty spaces. And to it's great. It's great to expand outward and have other things, but we're putting lipstick on a pig. We are overlooking the area. We are literally cutting off our nose to spite our face, and we are doing it at the cost of $1 billion for a sports complex that, again, is going to be competition towards the largest publicly subsidized multi-purpose venue in the history of this country. We were talking about the Colts uniforms as well, and Mo wants to chip in on that. Mo, what's up? It's two rants from you now. Uh, not a lot. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about you were you were talking about the uh, just the way the uniform is. I th- I think it's pretty simple, but every time I see those color rush kind of things where it's the full uniform. Makes me think. I, you know, I'm in Northwest Ohio, so 
back in my day, the Cleveland Indians had went to red uniforms with Frank Robinson as their their uh, head coach, and it kind of looked like a great. They looked out on the field like a big old blood clot. And, uh, <laughs> I was I was not impressed with the full colored uniform. Um, again, the ones the Colts have, it's like my son's little game that he used to, or the electric football where you had the white team and the blue team mm-hmm. and they're just banging around on each other. I, I, the uniforms are all right, I guess. But again, like you guys have said, it's nothing that has really uh, stood out to me. I was hoping that it would be like a, a, a white helmet, maybe with the, the horse kicking the football over the goalpost and uh, something similar to what the Arizona Cardinals have as an alternative to their uniforms with the white pants, black uniform, black jersey. Does it? Let me ask you this, Mo. You, numbers you, you, you drive like you drive in here for games from Ohio. You have season tickets, right? Yes. Okay. Does this inspire you in any way, shape, or form to buy merchandise that aligns with the different, the alternate color? A la, would you buy um, a black I, hat or a black I, T-shirt? I might. I might get a. I might get a jersey just for the sake of saying that I have an alternate jersey. I got a whole bunch of jerseys. I mean, I don't, but I just just to have one would be the only reason. What what I, player's I, jersey? What player's jersey did you purchase? Back that I put. What's that? What player's jersey did you purchase? Purchase of the Colts that you have in your arsenal that you're like, man, I can't believe I bought that guy's jersey. Uh, well, I I liked all of them, but I have a. Chad Bratsky one. I have a. I have the Wentz. I have the uh, Ryan one. I just all those. But I, those are all. They, they kind of fired me up, and uh, and everything kind of went down the down the tube with them. Kind of. I have a Billy Brooks one that I thought was pretty good. I guess I don't have any one that really bothers me. But, I saw Mo. Uh, I saw Chad Bratsky. I went to a North Carolina State Clemson game probably nine years ago and I'm waiting in line for concessions in North Carolina States Carter Finney Stadium is that what it's called in Raleigh North Carolina uh-huh. and I turn around next to me and the guy buying a coke is Chad Bratsky oh. and I'm like the hell are you doing here and he's like I live down here and all I remember is he he was a super nice guy and that was Chad Bratsky might have been the first really big Colts free agent signing I remember at the time it was because they had a new weight room that they'd built, and people were like, "Oh man, this is this is gonna get all kinds of players to come here." And Bradsky was one of them, but he had a, a neck injury that that kind of derailed him, and even made it. It was sad actually seeing him in North Carolina State because he couldn't really turn his head. But a uh, nice guy, good player though. What is the worst jersey you've owned? Like one that was like, "What the hell was I thinking when I purchased?" I, I'm not a jersey guy, so um, the only jersey I've ever purchased. That makes sense. You're not a fan of New Jersey, so why would you like Jersey? That's right. Um, I have a Bob Gibson jersey that I bought not to wear just because I always liked Bob Gibson. I, I read a book about him called From Ghetto to Glory when I was in the fifth grade, and I always liked him. Um, I had a buddy, though, to answer your question. When I worked at Hardwick's, the cigar store, greatest job ever, no offense, um, I had a buddy that, I mean, he saved his money for I don't even know how long, and he got a custom-made, I mean, hand-stitched to the to the nines. I think it was like 300 and some odd bucks. A custom-made Arnold Mickens jersey. Oh, Arnold no. Mickens had been a star running back at Broderpole, who then had an unbelievable career at Butler after transferring from Indiana. And he got a cup of coffee with the Colts during training camp, and poor Talbo went and spent like a month's worth of salary on a hand-stitched jersey, 
and was so proud of it and walked in and could not have been more thrilled to be showing it off inside Hardwick's. And like two hours later, Arnold Mickens got cut. <laughs> oh, my God. The worst I bought was a uh, – this was back in the college days when uh, the Bears and Colts were headed to the Super Bowl. And I I went into uh, – I was at the Greenwood Mall, and it was Fanatics, I think, is what it was. I don't know if it's still there anymore. But I, I went in, and I saw it from the window. I was like, I think I'm going to make an in, – in, in, uh, a purchase out of the blue, and it was a is a Rex Grossman Super Bowl jersey. It wasn't even one that they wear. It was one like it almost looked like a Pro Bowl jersey. It was like seventy five dollars, and I wore it once. And I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? I can't return this now. And then I was at a Colts preseason game, and I saw someone rocking out of the blue a Cody Kessler jersey. Nice. I'm like, what the hell? And it wasn't it wasn't like the Browns were playing. It one of like, my favorite games to play. It was like Mark. the Colts and the and the. Bengals, I think. Here are two ways to know that your franchise is struggling. One of the ways to know that your your franchise is struggling is if you go to a game and every jersey in the stands being worn is worn by a former player. For for years, you'd go to a Miami Dolphins game and everybody's wearing a Marino, Marino jersey. Yeah. You know, he's he doesn't even sell isotoners anymore, mm-hmm. right? Um, for the Colts, it is always fun to me when I'm driving down Capitol to go to a Colts game to look at the jerseys of people walking in. Now, for a long time there, it was nothing but Bob Sanders and Tarek Glenn and Peyton Manning jerseys. Now at least you're starting to see like some – of course, you had T.Y. Hilton's for a while there. Right. You know, you'll probably see some Anthony Richardson's, um, probably some Shaquille Leonard's, and maybe Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. yeah. And outside of that, you get a lot of guys walking in wearing their Gary Brackett jersey. There is a dude that um, – for years sat in front of us in front of the press box at the RCA Dome and uh, wore a fabulous Matt Booza jersey. I always thought that was cool. Uh, by the way, George Bremer, speaking of Colts, going to join us in an hour. We'll continue the conversation about the uniforms and, like I said, some changes coming in the NFL. We'll get to that 8 o'clock hour. Kevin Aquari, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Indiana Knights, that's the theme of the new Colts alternate jersey they unveiled Yesterday, right after our show got off the air, uh, reviews have been mixed, to say the least, so far. I don't think anybody dislikes them. I no. think they dislike the missed opportunity of what they could have been. Well, and then the whole point of these alternate jerseys, too, is obviously jersey sales, apparel sales. Is anyone going out to buy an Indiana Knights jersey or something like a hat that has the Indiana Knights theme on it and everything? I mean, that's kind of the whole point well, of this Well, to thing. me, Mark, <clears throat> they look fine. Yeah, I, I don't know yeah, anybody that saw it and were like, "Oh my gosh, that is the coolest thing." They, they look fine. Yeah, to me, it is. You run a coffee store. You run a coffee store, and you promoted for a week and a half that you're going to have a new line of coffee, an alternate coffee, and people are super excited. And then you unveil your new line of coffee, and you put out the samples. And everybody lines up and drinks it and goes, wait a minute, this has two shots of pumpkin spice creamer in it. You go, yeah, what do you think? That's fine. But I've had this before. I mean, you can buy, you could walk into 
lids right now probably and buy a black Colts hat with the blue horseshoe on it. I, I, I think it's – again, they're a little bit restricted. I mean, you have two colors, right. blue and white. I mean, w- what really can you do? I Mo that, – that, that one logo for the Colts, it's like an alternate logo of the – I've always found it like kind of fascinating. It's It's the Colt that is like jumping – Mm-hmm. And it looks like he's got like a nine foot chin strap. I think that's actually the face mask that is that is fly. His helmet's flying backwards because the inertia of him moving forward. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never understood what that fa- is. It a face mask or is it the chin strap? I think it's that's the like- chin strap and it's strangling the horse a little bit. The horse is neighing and like kicking back. <laughs> that chin strap won't get off of him, which is good, I guess. You want safety there. So I, I I could see the thought process of, hey. They could have done an alternate logo on the side of the helmet to, in order to try to get sales of hats or whatever else. But I, I don't know. Are people really going to go out and buy something because of a, a uniform they see three times a year? Maybe. That's the, obviously the entire idea behind all of it. Yes, Sam. Can I just pose maybe an alternate reason for why they're trying this out this year is, as you've addressed, Jake. What what really have the Colts changed over their their history other than? the logo back in 1979. So what if this is a trial run to see if these jerseys are passable enough that these are the new jerseys going forward? That's possible, mm-hmm. but but the league, though, again, that's what I was asking. Like, is this like a league-wide initiative? Because other teams are doing – you know, I, I just think in, in today's day, Sam, I, I think the NFL figured out, and they figured it out before everybody else. The NFL literally – like my two favorite letters – are M and E because it spells me. Uh-huh. And I love me some me. Who saw that coming? The NFL loves them some me, and by that it means monetize everything. And I remember when the NFL Combine, oh, it's top secret. Nobody can go in there. It's amazing. I mean, they don't even let – only the GMs are allowed in. And then they realized, wait a minute, we can monetize this. We're going to have a raffle. 100 fans can get tickets into the combine. Oh, media frenzy. Oh, my gosh. And then now it's it's on NFL Network and it's nonstop and it's ubiquitous and everybody and their brother can come down and walk into it unless you accidentally bring your IndyCar instead of your combine credential. And or if you're just, the Raiders team and you're rolling in that's at 10 a.m. But they're allowed to come in. But but it's a, they monetized it, right? I, I think a lot of this is just to your to your point a little bit, Sam. Maybe a test balloon, but more so just a temporary like tease to get a spike in merchandise sales that you can do, and then you go back to the normal deal. I, I do think that the Colts, and in particular Jim Mersey, have a great affinity and passion for the tradition of their traditional look. I think that's important to them. I think a big part of their brand, more than other franchises is their traditional look. You know, and like in college football, I mean, look at Oregon, right? Oregon has oh, yeah. the different helmets. But but Michigan, Alabama, and Penn State hardly ever do anything alternative. You know, Indiana, look at the teams in college football outside of Oregon. The teams that are changing their helmets every other week are teams that they don't have anything else to sell themselves about. I mean, Indiana's got two things to sell. We got 20 helmets and LEO. Okay, great. The, in the non other than the COVID year, what do you have to show for it? Right? Relentless, relentless. <laughs> I'm just saying. In baseball, the Yankees never change their uniforms. the The Cubs never change their uniforms. 
because they have like a long-standing tradition in the Cubs. It's mostly of sucking, but they have. A tr- <laughs> it's true though. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the, the the entire Cubs. I remember Mark when the Cubs were getting ready to win the World Series. I remember saying, and people laughed at me, and I'm like, if they win the World Series, they become another franchise. Because and, and that was not a knock, but but literally the lovable losers. Literally every single person walking planet Earth had not seen the Cubs win a World Series, right? Yeah, literally. I mean, there were like like a lady in Argentina that was 109 that she doesn't remember it, right? She just drank and drank Dr. Peppers and <laughs> lit up cigarettes every yeah. day. It's a healthy lifestyle. I mean, but but literally, and so that was the brand of the Cubs was like they're the fans that keep coming back for more. Mm-hmm. And then once they win the World Series, it's like, well, now you're another franchise that's won a World Series. I mean, so, but anyway. You have that from the Colts' standpoint, and I think that people largely were uh, were underwhelmed. I think they thought they were fine. They're cool, yeah. but I don't think it blew anybody's socks off. Now, the other thing in the NFL to me that is going to be interesting is with the sale, and, and I don't know. I, I mean, it's funny because the Redskins slash Commanders, you know, transition under Daniel Snyder. We we knew why they went to the Commanders. I applaud it. I had no problem with it. I actually thought I I got used to. Washington football team. I thought it was kind of cool. I did like that too because I thought kind it was kind of cool, kind of a soccer feel to it. Totally, I liked it, I yeah. liked it a lot. The, you know, I, Washington Football Club probably would have been really cool, but then they become the Commanders, and now that Daniel Snyder sold the team, and it's interesting because, like six months ago, we had heard, or I don't know how long ago, but that they were that a sale was going to go through, and then you kind of didn't hear about it, and then boom. Now, all of a sudden, it goes through yesterday. It's announced, you know, Josh Harris and a group, $6.03, I think, billion. Mm-hmm. Think about that. That must be nice. And the other side of that is that there is discussion that they may, in fact, change the, the imaging and the logo and the name again. I still go back to they should be, and I'm guessing this is not in play. Because part of Daniel Snyder, Daniel Snyder didn't have 100% ownership. He was a 60% owner, but he was the majority owner. Part of the ownership group that I'm assuming was also one bought out was part of the ownership of FedEx. I thought because of the fact that they had such a tie to FedEx, corporately speaking, and if you look at the subliminal advertising of the FedEx logo, combined with their helmet that has the arrowhead on it, I thought they should have been the Washington Arrows. Yeah, that's a solid one for me. And I could see why they would change the lo- maybe the logo and the nickname because maybe you do want to wipe the slate completely clean of Dan Snyder because obviously fans don't have a very good very good affinity for him, and I'm sure the new owner would like to you know wipe the stink off. So I could see where they could go back to the drawing board, but I feel like you just did that with the commanders. So if they did do it, I mean, it's not like the commanders are a household name. It's not like they've been around as long as the Redskin nickname had been. They don't have as much history with that one, but I could see that they could change it and just like we're wiping the slate clean. New owner, new nickname. Here you go. Have at it. Um, hey guys, one thing that adults should understand, by the way, about the uniforms: the Colts demographic is younger. My nine-year-old loves them. He wants his Anthony Richardson jersey to be this particular design. Okay, okay. I mean that's a fair point. Drawn in the youngins. Um, one thing I want to mention in reference to the Commanders' name change is that it also is likely tied to the fact that they were denied the trademark for it back in May. Um, the U.S. Patent Office said oh, that they, right. they could not have the trademark over the name because it would cause confusion with the Commander Classic between the Army and Air Force. There you go. So why keep a name, even though you're not being told you have to change it, why keep a name that you cannot 
fully monetized. Monetize, right. Again, what I say, monetize everything, right? Washington Arrows. Uh, Dave joins us. He's been waiting patiently on hold. What's up, Dave? Not much, Jake. How are you guys today? Man, it's beautiful out, so I'm good. Yeah, it is. It is. Hey, I got two quick stories for you. One, um, 1984, you mentioned earlier, the uh, uh, old-timers game at RCA. Yep. Were you old enough to have went to that? Uh, I, I watched it on TV, but I was – I mean, yeah, I was old enough. I was 11, uh, about to turn 12. Yeah, I was 35. I'm an old man. Uh, but two, two thrilling things about that. Basically, the right field stands were the ones that were too short. It wasn't left field, it was right field. But Billy Williams nearly killed people hitting, hitting line drives in there during batting practice. <laughs> <laughs> and Willie Mays played in that game, didn't he? Pardon me? Wasn't Willie Mays in it? Yeah, yeah. But that was my next point. I, I sat in center field about 10 rows up right behind Willie Mays, and one of the thrills of my baseball life was watching him make a basket catch right in front of me. I mean, that is uh, pretty, pretty awesome. awesome. Yeah, it was. My other thing, you've been talking about jerseys all day. I'm I'm not really a collector. I've got a I've got a John Elway Super Bowl jersey and a Peyton Manning one. But years ago, my son and I talked about getting a new jersey and I was unfortunately a big Johnny Manziel fan. Oh no. Don't ask me why. I have in my closet, which has been worn once, a Cleveland Browns number two Johnny Manziel jersey. Now let me tell you something. That actually, Dave you might get money on that just, like, on the, the opposite side of it, right? You know what I mean? Like, that might actually be more valuable than others just because I've noticed this. Like, young people in particular, hipsters, like, the whole thing is to wear, like, the anti. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, you go and, like, it's hip for some kid to be wearing, like, a Dikembe Mutombo Nuggets jersey. Manziel's got to be right in that mix. Yeah. You go to Lollapalooza in Chicago and just, like, people watch, and there's like that's the thing is you wear these random NBA or NFL jerseys to the concerts and you're like oh what the hell is that doing there by the way Willie Mays was 53 years old in that old timers game how about that's, that that's impressive I got asked yesterday to play in Desmond Bain's celebrity softball game that's, that's I'm Willie brag. Mays the old timer that's a humble brag right there you got was his mom that asked you <laughs> I think keep it was. running into her yeah, it, it was actually. hey it's you again old pal it was in Richmond but I'm like well I can't do it. I was I was very flat it's a charity thing I was I was very flattered did but, you turn it down then yeah because I got to go to Iowa oh okay it was, it was tonight um interesting but that old timer game I'm telling you like the two things that when they built and again I'm not going to get back into my rant. When they built the RCA Dome, it was a game changer in this town. A game changer. And, like, I can't tell you, for those that didn't live here, what it meant to go from Indiana Place to the 1982 National Sports Festival to 1984 – they built a stadium. First off, just having the the dome itself and coming down as as I did with my mom and dad and my sister, and parking, literally sitting down on blankets off Capitol to watch the RCA dome get inflated. Like it took like six hours, and then finally you could start to see the Teflon, and then it took another four hours for it to fully. Because they use the handheld pump to I, do it. That's what There's took like so long. Three guys on the side. Of, <laughs> But the, I mean, people went crazy over it. We were, as a city, we were so proud of that that venue because we didn't even have a team yet, and there had been discussion of. Obviously, the Colts were the main player that was discussed to come here, but there was also discussion that the Boston Breakers of the USFL were going to move here. You know, we knew we were going to get some sort of a team, but we didn't know what it was going to be. And then 
of course, the press conference where Bob Ursay comes walking in with Bill Hudnut. I think Bob Ursay probably thought he was in Minneapolis, but um, but nonetheless, it was just a magical time. And then you combine that with probably the most unbelievable, like there should be a 30 for 30 sometime about, because I think it's lost a little bit in the memories of people in this town because we've had so many big things come since then. But the 1984 basketball exhibition, and maybe I have an inflated, pardon the pun since it was at the Dome, opinion or recollection of this because I was such a huge Indiana basketball fan and Bob Knight fan and everything else, as most people in this town were back then. But the 1984 exhibition game where the 84 Olympic team coached by Bob Knight took on the NBA All-Stars, not not literally the All-Star team, but legendary NBA players, Larry Bird, etc. Isaiah Thomas was in the game at the RCA Dome, or the, then the Hoosier Dome, and 64,000 people were there. 64,000 people showed up to watch an exhibition basketball game between the soon-to-be gold medal winning 1984 Olympic basketball team coached by Bob Knight with Steve Alford, with, you know, Sam Perkins and Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing and Chris Mm -hmm. Mullen. I mean, the greatest amateur basketball team ever assembled. And they're going up against the stars of the NBA at that time on a summer night in 1984. And it absolutely captivated this town. And all of a sudden, we believed in ourselves as a sports city. It's like, oh my gosh, we've gone from being a town that, sure, the Pacers were here, but the Pacers also at that time were like 22 and 60. And, And holy cow, like... We have this building, and and we might actually get an NFL team, and then the Colts come here, and you know the first couple of years the selling point was come down and see Huddle the mascot and the live <laughs> Colt that came out and dropped a deuce on the ten one time, but it was the NFL. I mean that was Whoa. the thing that mattered. It was the National Football League that parlayed into then the Pan American Games in eighty seven, which I was convinced at that time it was the greatest thing ever. People are coming down and they're at the Pan Am Plaza and they're trading pins and they're everybody was involved in some way, shape, or form. Everyone was a volunteer in some way, shape, or form. I was a ball boy. You'd talk to your neighbor that was in charge of setting up, you know, the ice for the racquetball venue. I mean, everybody was involved in the city of Indianapolis. And we we're like, oh my gosh, the opening games are live on CBS and you know, they're using the speedway. And you really felt like the entire world was watching this miniature Olympic Games that was taking place in 1987. Only retroactively do you look back and go, you know what's funny about it? I don't know where the Pan Am Games have been since. Do they still do the Pan Am Games? I have Games? no idea. You know what I mean? Like, has it been in the United States since then? Was that the last time it was in the United States? I mean, I have no idea. But in 1987, you were convinced that literally – People in Australia were watching the Pan American Games in Indianapolis. Well, why would they have been? It was only for the, obviously, North and South and Central America, Pan American Games. But it was massive. And then everything just took off from there. The 91 Final Four, and then you're off and running. The last one took place in Lima, Peru in 2019. And then the one 2023 this year will be in Santiago, Chile. Have you ever been? Twice last oh. year. <laughs> Have you? Who's been to Santiago, Chile twice in one year? I've never even been to Jersey. Oh. Um, what, a, been, what a convenient location that have is. There, have there been other? You know where they play the <laughs> the Santiago, Chile Pan Am games. You know what's? You know what building they use, don't you? Which one? <laughs> what What do they call it? The the 
Have you been to the Olymp- Stadio Olimpico? You built that? <laughs> no, I built right across the street. Oh. Um, have there been other American cities that have hosted the Pan Am Games since Indianapolis? Uh, no, not from this list. It was uh, Indianapolis in 87, Havana, Cuba in 91. Well, uh, that would have been Mar del Plata in Argentina in 1995, Winnipeg, Canada in 99, Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic in 2003, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil in 2007, Guadalajara, Mexico in 2011, Toronto, Canada in 2015, and Lima, Peru in 2019. How, how has Buenos Aires never had it? I don't know. Yeah, the um, according to this, the only other U.S. city outside of Indianapolis that's hosted. Let me it. guess. Let me guess. What year? Nineteen fifty-nine. St. Louis. Close. Kansas City. Farther away. You you've gone too far. Go more east and north. More east of St. Louis would be Indianapolis, Chicago. Yes, Chicago. Okay. Interesting. Chicago and Indy, the only two cities, which is interesting. I think. I'm telling you, it was. The pins, I still have them. Does anybody else? I wonder if anybody else still has them. So this was probably a kid. I don't know. I say a kid thing. I think adults did it too. Everybody had their credential, which I still have mine of uh, my credential as well. well you but, did, did you bring it this time? Funny. So everybody has had their credential that had your photo on it, and it came in a plastic sleeve. And then the different athletes and the different dignitaries of countries would have little pins, like lapel pins. Uh-huh of their country or their sport or whatever it might be. And the Pan Am Plaza, which I think they're getting ready to, if I'm not mistaken, maybe take out to build a 60-story ho- hotel downtown. But the Pan Am Plaza, which had, I remember it had the eternal flame mm-hmm. that I don't think is still burning, with all the flags. People, that was where, that was the epicenter. That was the where everybody would congregate and you would go down and try to trade pins. And literally, like, I have a Canada pin, and like, what, but I need, you know, I, I need Argentina and whatever else. And literally, people's credentials would be covered by these lapel pins. And it was a, it was a thing. I mean, pin it was trading. a huge thing. Yeah. It was great. Like, it, the whole city was, I'm telling you, people absolutely loved it. Roger, what's up? Hey, Jake. How are you, buddy? I'm hey. all right. How you doing? Good. I'm about your age. So, Pan Am Games are in Indianapolis. My parents decided to take me downtown because, you know, they want me to take in the international flair, and it's a big deal, and this and that. And we go to watch a soccer game, and we're in the stands, and there's a, a really friendly Hispanic Latina family sitting next to us, and my dad's talking to the father of that family and getting along and this and that. So my dad asks him, uh, so where are you folks from, thinking – they're going to tell him, oh, Brazil or Chile or this or that. And he's like, oh, we live down in Greenwood. <laughs> so, it, was, it was pretty funny. Like I said, Roger, we thought it was this huge international scope, right? Right. <laughs> like, meanwhile, we realized, wait a minute, no one in Brazil knew this thing was going on, right? <laughs> exactly. So, now, exactly. Roger, did you, did you go to Greenwood High School? Or, or, no, I'm sorry, they were from Greenwood, not you. What high school did you go to? Uh, Warren Central. What year? Uh, class of 92. Ah, you're behind me, man. Shane Crabtree, wasn't he a pretty good player back then? Uh, I don't remember that name. Jamie, Jamie Asher? Asher? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Asher was a hell of a player, man. I'll tell you yeah, what. He's pretty good. The, those, uh, did you go to Creston or Stony Brook? Uh, I actually went to private school up through my freshman year. Okay, because so. I was going to say, man, those, those Creston and Stony Brook guys – 
they must have had some fun living in our era, Roger, because you know they were they were in middle school during when Jeff and Lance Scheib and those guys and Jason Whitlock were winning it for Warren every year. Had to have been some good living. It's good times, man. Fun times. Yeah. Going down so, memory lane right there. So where are you guys from? Rio de oh Janeiro. Oh, God, that's hilarious. Well, we live, we live right, right off of US 31. Oh, okay, cool. You've been to Famous Dave's right down the street <laughs> over there. We've got that's plenty right. more stuff to get into as far as well as something I want to throw at Jake. Uh, why, uh, you know, a lot of people are looking at the, pa- the Colts schedule on paper and saying, oh, this is a little easier than last year. Why that might not be the case, especially if one position group doesn't step up. I'm going to throw that at him next. But before that, it's a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Break up the Reds. They defeated the Giants 5-1 yesterday, Major League Baseball. So that is now a couple straight for the Reds getting off the losing schneid. But didn't help them much because the Brewers defeated the Phillies 4-0. Big story, Major League Baseball. There is a new leader. For the first time this year in the American League East, it is none other than the cute fella train, baby. Baltimore Orioles. Cute fella train? Is that what we're calling it I'm telling you what, it is the cute fella express. Look at him. Look at the logo. What's he saying? Hey, just root for me. That's Mm -hmm. all he's saying. Mm -hmm. He's a cute fella. Orioles, 4-3 over the Rays. They are all alone now in first (sighs) in the AL East. Sorry about your Cubs who lost to the Cardinals. 7-2 yesterday. Cubs are going to sell. Smartest five-run differential. Cubs are going to sell by the deadline with the way they're playing right now. Absolutely stink. What are they it, selling? They're Cody Bellinger, possibly Marcus Stroman. We'll see. Rico I don't know. Mayo? No. I, I, do you want to have some? I can bring some more in. I watched that. Uh, somebody sent that bit to me the other day, our, our segment of the Mayo coffee thing. I watched it. Laughed, laughed like crazy. Seriously? Yeah. Because you were just, you were so anti-everything. Uh, anti don't, don't, don't even start me on it, man. It was quite good. Uh, also on the baseball diamond, uh, the Indianapolis Indians got off their two-game losing streak, and they beat the Iowa Cubs 5-3 to last night. The Women's World Cup is in full swing. New Zealand, Australia, and Nigeria and Canada played to a draw. Australia and New Zealand won yesterday. We've already got a couple games in the books today. Switzerland shut out the Philippines 2-0, and Spain wait, no, wait, routing wait. Costa Rica 3-0. I thought, uh, Switzerland... What? They won two nothing. Yeah, today. I thought they they're constantly getting penalized for being in the neutral zone. Oh come on! The big one, of course, tonight. Actually, uh, Alex Morgan and the United States women Sam, get on the pitch Sam against Vietnam. Enjoyed that. Sam actually Don't giggled at that. It was, it was Sam, out please. of left field, but still made sense. Yeah. See. Anyway, Alex Morgan and, and the U.S. women get on the pitch against Vietnam tonight at nine o'clock. That game nationally broadcast on Fox. So take a look at that you one. Thank yourself that you have access to that sort of I don't of think I've ever said thank you, sir, for any, anything like that. But coming up next, Jake, I want to throw something at you again. Well, I'm hey, sure you do. I, I do. I need We need a pivot of the Pan Am games and the uh, Indy 11 Stadium. But the, uh, the there's a position group of very big concern. And, uh, oh, boy, I was looking at the Colts schedule yesterday, and I was like, boy, if this position group doesn't step it up, it could be ugly in a hurry in 2023 for the Indianapolis Colts. So we'll talk about that next. Plus, we've got the Indy – uh, State Fair tickets to give away, WWE Fastlane tickets to give away, and George Bremer coming up at 9 o'clock. It's Kevin and Query, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. Gorgeous, gorgeous start to the day here on a Friday. Jake Query along with Mark Dykton, Sam Fritz running the big board, Kevin Bowen back. 
coming up on Monday from vacation. Again, we will be at Colts camp on Tuesday for Colts Report Day. Uh, Kevin, or excuse me, Mark, you have a question about one of the key positions for the Colts. We will get to that before we do. Let's squeeze in Tom real quick. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing fine. Let me turn my mower off. <laughs> Tom, now wait a minute, Tom. Now, are you got a push or a ride mower? I'm on a triplex cutting uh, approaches and tee boxes at the uh, Brickyard Crossing. Oh, oh nice. Wow. Nice. Funny. I was going to say, your neighbors would, like, if you're out at 7 in the morning. <laughs> so now, how long does it take you? So you're cutting, how much of the Brickyard Crossing do you cut? Uh, tee boxes and um, approaches. There's three of us doing it today, and it takes us about four hours. Really? Yeah. Now, I've always wondered this, like in terms of the designs and stuff like that, does that take a special skill set to be able to, to like do the the fancy lines and the logos and, and that kind of stuff? Uh, yes. On the, Now, when you see an oversight, overhead shot of the track during the race yep. and you see all them straight lines, We've got five club cadets uh, that they are using for advertising purposes that we did not purchase, and they're GPS, and that's where you see all the straight lines. Because, Tom, i got to tell you, man, as somebody that works at the Speedway, and in particular coming up here uh, for the Brickyard, I, I get – you know, pretty high up, and I get the views of it, and it's it's amazing the work you guys do. Honestly, like I don't, you know, the the landscaping crew out there is got to be like second to none. I mean, the work you do is really unbelievable. Uh, right now, uh, Jason Stewart got a promotion when Penske took over, and the golf course is now in, uh, is in charge of the whole facility. Anything that's green grass, the golf course does. We can tell. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. There's 85 interns from college working out here this year. And, and probably – now, does a little piece of you die every time that, like, a car gets loose, especially on the road course, and goes through the grass? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, what's on uh, what's on your mind this morning? Uh, the Pan American Games. I have an original Cuban National Baseball uniform that my father acquired that I asked him to trade uh, IU – sweatshirt and pants because you can't buy or sell international um, memorabilia during the games and the head of the cuban national uh security was at the airport my dad was in charge of that and we traded that for a cuban national baseball uniform and for the 25th anniversary it was uh displayed at the arts garden that is super cool man what player was it do you know there's no number no nothing on it that's awesome. Do you remember, Tom, the – I mean, I, honestly, when the Pan Am Games were here, I think the two things that m most people remember about the Pan Am Games, it, the two most indelible images, one would be Oscar Schmidt, the great Brazilian basketball player, dropping 42 and eliminating the United States at Market Square, and the other would be Ty Griffin, who was a Cubs draftee, hitting the home run to beat the Cuban team at, at Bush Stadium. Do you remember, Tom, what a huge deal that was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, massive. Was, yes, very, you very. Know. There was only a few uh, Cubans in the uh, uh, National Baseball uh, League. Oh, the yeah. American League. There yeah. were only a few. One was St. Louis Cardinals, I believe. And I've got to ask you, I've got a, um, a race house full of memorabilia, and I have one for the radio network that I can't confirm or 
anything that if it was at the Pagoda. The the it, Pagoda, yeah. What was what, what is it exactly? It's got the emblem and it says Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network. And I can't find a well, picture of it. But I mean, is it what is it a hat or what is it exactly? No, it's a a, a wooden plaque that okay. was hung on the door. Um, I'll tell you, Tom, are you out at the Brickyard on most days? Yes. Okay, especially like when I'm out there for the Brickyard, I'll actually swing by there and, and get in touch with you to see it because I'd like to see it. It probably here, here's the thing with the radio network, and I appreciate the call. Um, the radio network did begin in the pagoda, actually in the early years with you know, depending on how old it is, with Sid Collins, it was in the original Pagoda. Then the radio network was housed once the new Pagoda was built and the ninth floor of the current Pagoda. It moved uh, probably around 2019 or 2020. We moved from the top of the Pagoda to what is now the fourth floor of the media center. Um, But my guess would be, yes, that it is probably something that was initially in where Sid Collins was and the anchor booth of the pagoda itself. Um, Interesting. I would love to be able to cut my lawn the way that uh, golf courses do. You kidding me? Give me the low cut so I don't have to do it for like a month and a half. That'd be awesome. You know, I I haven't mowed a lawn since I was like 14. Oh. Isn't that terrible? You want to come over? <laughs> give you a PBR. I'm allergic to grass. You're allergic to grass. I'm not really allergic to it, but like it... I, it a little bit, yeah. Like it's a good cut. way to get out of yard work. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm allergic to grass. Exactly. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't rake these leaves. I'm allergic. My dad enjoyed mowing the lawn, I think, so I never really had to do it, but um, I, I occasionally did it. There but is it, something kind always... of peaceful when you're just by yourself pushing a mower and all that stuff because my wife's like, is it really like, do you really enjoy doing it? I was like, I do because it's peace and quiet kind of. Like you got a motor going, but kind of like with your own thoughts and you're kids right. aren't yelling and all that stuff. It's like going for a walk, right? Yeah. You go, he's like, oh, this lawn took way longer than I thought it would. So there is a position of need or a position of concern for you when it comes to the 2023 Colts. So, yes. I was looking at the schedule the other day because everybody's like, oh, this is you know pretty manageable schedule for the Colts. Maybe they could surprise some folks and everything like that. And I was looking at him like, yeah, on paper it looks doable. It doesn't look overly difficult. The home schedule is nothing right home about as far as opponents are concerned. But I did a little more deep dive, and I was like, wait a minute. I'm looking at the teams on the schedule, and I'm looking at who's at wide receiver, and I'm like, this could be an issue, and who's going to be covering the wide receivers? It's the cornerbacks. It's Kenny Moore. It's Dallas Flowers. It's Juju Brents. Kind of a mixed bag of cornerbacks. The unsigned Juju Brents. Right, and guys that we don't really know much from. Kenny Moore coming off a, a not very good 2022 season. So let me run down a little bit of the schedule, and you tell me if, you're, if your flag gets raised a little bit here as, as far as your concern level. Uh, week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Colts wide receivers that they'll be going up against. Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, week two. Okay, now hold on. Sure. That one, Christian Kirk had a good year last year for Lawrence. Uh Calvin Ridley, good player, but coming a year off and still getting acclimated to his quarterback. So on a scale of one to ten, your level of concern there is like a six. Okay. Okay. This one might might be a little lower than for you. Week two against the Texans, Nico Collins, Robert Woods. Robert Woods, obviously, on a new team, kind of falling off. His career is kind of tailing off. Nico Collins, though, has been pretty impressive so far. So that's that's week two. Then we start getting up a little higher. Week three, Odell Beckham on the Ravens. I, I mean, he's like 90 years old. Okay. Uh, week four, Cooper Cup and company with the L.A. Okay, Rams. That, that's a challenge for sure. Week five, DeAndre Hopkins, who is now on the Titans. Probably a challenge. Bigger question is who's going to be throwing him the ball. 
Week six, you've got Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk again as they now play the you've Jaguars. got Ridley getting a little more familiar, so that goes from a six to a seven. Moving on to the Browns in week seven, Amari Cooper and company. Okay, again, a lot depends on where Deshaun Watson is, but Cooper's obviously a very good player. Week eight, Chris Olave and Michael Thomas on the okay. Saints. That that one's Derek Carr's situation. That one. I'll tell you what, Olave can flat out play, man. Yeah, he's going to be tough. Week nine, Adam Thielen, DJ DJ Shark of the Carolina Panthers coming to town. Week 10, Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker. Who's throwing the ball in Carolina? That would I would assume that was going, it's going to be Bryce Young. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that will be him. I mean, is he going to be throwing the ball by the, you know, I would assume they hand him the keys week one, right? I would, if he, if he's not, I would, I would be <laughs> they stunned. Don't have considering anybody what else, they right? gave yeah. up to get him. Yeah, I, I would be stunned if it's not him under center. So we'll see there. Uh, what did I say? I said uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Devontae Parker, that do you anything for you? Juju Smith-Schuster off of the Chiefs now? I mean, okay, I, five okay. or six. Okay, that's against the Patriots, so that's also who knows who's going to be throwing the pill there. Week 11, you get the bye, so you get a little bit of break. Week 12, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I know that's another situation where you don't know who's going to be throwing the ball, but those are still two very good wide receivers they got down in Tampa. Week 13, you've got DeAndre Hopkins again. Week 14. Oh. Who, who's throwing the ball in Tampa? I think at the moment it's Baker Mayfield, isn't it? Uh, we'll okay. see. Maybe Carson Wentz. You never know. Who who knows at that point? Week 13, you've got DeAndre Hopkins again. Week 14, buckle up, buttercut. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd of the Cincinnati Bengals coming. Look out there. Week 15, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Allen Robinson for the Steelers. Does George Pickens worry you? I'm curious to see what he'll do this year. What about the fact that he, Kenny Pickett's throwing the ball? I, I still like Deontay Johnson a lot. Allen Robinson, I think, I still has something in the tank. So that that's still a three-headed monster that I'm not no, not overly confident that the Colts cornerback room, especially if Kenny Moore and company don't step up, are going to have trouble. We've also got week 16, we got Drake London and Kyle Pitts for the Falcons. Week 17, Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers of the Raiders. And we round out with Nico Collins and Robert Woods with the Texans in week 18. But I was looking at that. And I'm like, that is some big name wide receivers coming in on almost a weekend, week out basis. You got Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, DeAndre, uh, Kyle, Drake, Drake London, Devontae Adams. All, but but the bigger thing big is there. who's throwing them the ball. That's true, but even still, you're going to have to be covering those guys. And the cornerback position, I would say, on the Colts might be the thinnest of the position groups that we have on this roster heading into training camp. You've got Kenny Moore coming off a poor 2022 season, and with the Isaiah Rodgers suspension and, and release, your cornerback room is even thinner now, so you're putting a lot of pressure on Dallas Flowers and Juju Brents and the rest of the guys to step it up, and that is a lot of big-name talent at wide receiver that they're going to be covering on a game-in and game-out basis, and that could be a cause for concern because if the quarterback's start finding those guys wide open or if we start having coverage breakdowns or something like that, the cornerback position could be rearing its ugly head like we've never seen before I, I, in 2023. I, I think the bigger concern for the Colts, I mean, I shouldn't say bigger, Mark, to piggyback off that, is just depth. I, I, I have always said, thousand times I've said it on this show, I should have like T-shirts that say it because I've said it so often. Um, cell phone chargers and sunglasses. That's offensive line in no particular order. That's offensive linemen and corners. You can never have too many of them ever, because you lose one, one of them breaks, one of them all of a sudden just doesn't work anymore. You ever buy those like kind of knockoff chargers? 
Oh, yeah, from like the gas station or something? Yeah, they work yeah. for like six weeks, and all of a sudden one day you plug it in, you're like, wait, what happened? You don't know if it's the cord. Is it the cord that doesn't work? Is it the wall plug? Like, what, what's not working here? H- honey, you smell smoke? What does that smell? <laughs> and like oh, the same thing. Charger's on fire. The same thing with, with corners. Like, all of a sudden one day they just don't work anymore. Yeah. You're like, what happened? Uh, by the way, sad news just about 15 minutes ago being released, especially for those of you like myself that are fans of Seinfeld. Uh, Tony Bennett, legendary singer, of The Velvet Fog. Oh no, Mel Torme was The Velvet Fog. Sorry, uh, Tony Bennett though. Mel Torme was Seinfeld. Sorry, but Tony Bennett passing away at the age of mm. ninety-six. Legendary singer, Grammy Award winner. Um, you know, I think of Tony Bennett still in the same category, and maybe this is just my age, but I think of Tony Bennett in the category as Mel Torme. Obviously, I do Sinatra to an extent, but just that same level of like legendary singer. I'm 90% certain it's Tony, Tony Bennett's I Left My Heart in San Francisco, right? Yes. I know my dad loved Tony Bennett, but Tony Bennett passing away at the age of 96, part of what makes that news like, oh, wow, is the fact that he, he looked great. I mean, he, he he you know he's one of those guys that, that looked publicly looked the same from the age of 75 to 95, right? Yeah, it was one of those things where he's one of those guys where you almost had to Google his age. You're like, how old is he now? He seems like he's got to be up there. And see, that, like, he looks amazing for his yeah, age. For sure. Um, Tony Bennett was born, let's see. I was going to see, is, is he a New Yorker? I think he's a New Yorker, right? New York City, yeah. Tony Bennett born... August 3rd of 1926 in New York City, passed away uh, today in New York as well at the age of 96. Uh, George Bremer, by the way, going to join us, talk a little cold sets in 16 minutes. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Tony Bennett had struggled for the last few years with Alzheimer's, one of the cruelest diseases one could suffer from, passing away this morning at the age of 96. Uh, we this have, is his biggest song, wouldn't you say? Oh, undoubtedly. Without question? Yeah, undoubtedly. Uh, we have... State fair tickets to give away yet, correct? We do, yes. Indiana State Fair tickets. The final four-pack to give away. We're going to do that right now, I think, actually. So 317-239-1070. Don't text me. That's not going to get you the tickets. 317-239-1070 for the Indiana State Fair tickets. We're not just giving these away. You have to answer a question, and if you are a listener that listened to yesterday's show, uh, that could be beneficial for you. That's a little hint for the question today. We also have WW Fastlane tickets we're going to give away during the pop quiz as well. And George Bremer. Joining us in about 10 minutes, we'll get some Colts and training camp talk from him as well. So Indiana State Fair tickets, Sam is taking those calls as we speak. What um, is your favorite part of the State Fair, Mark Dacton? That's a good question. I went to the Hendricks County Fair twice in, twice this week already. Um, do they have rides at the Hendricks County do, Fair? They do, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They have carnies? I, I would assume so, yeah. Win, try to win a game like a prize. Yeah. yeah, you want to win a goldfish for your daughters, mm-hmm. sir? Right here, five five throws for three dollars. I'm like, uh, no, thank you. I don't want any goldfish. What's and your favorite game? Favorite game is probably the one that the one that you can't walk past without being like, all right, fine. Uh, probably because it's the easiest one to win is the where you spray the water in the clown's mouth. 
That's okay. probably the, if you're trying to win a prize for a kid, that's the that's the one to go to. I think that's the one that's kind of like foolproof, where like someone's gonna win. It's not like the ring toss where they grease the you know the grease the knobs or whatever like that and stuff just flies off and everything. And the basketball hoop that the rim might be smaller. You can guarantee to win the water in the mouth of the clown. The one that I there is one particular game that I cannot walk past. Every time I got to stop. Every time. Is it the strong man? You got to hit the hit the hammer. No, no, no. Going to ring that bell, sir. And no? and and this game, it is you can you can it takes a few attempts, and then you kind of get the hang, and you're like, okay, and then you win. You know, Robin Miller. It was so much fun, man. The most fun thing about the state fair was the, the annual Robin Miller night. And it was particularly fun before it got like overly commercialized. I remember the first time I ever met Simon Pagano, Robin would just take these IndyCar drivers and hit their introduction to the U.S. was he'd take them to the state fair. Tony Kanan would eat a grilled cheese sandwich in one bite. Pagano and Power, Robin brought them along one year. Simon Pagano went on the Alpine ride, you know, the thing that like plays the heavy metal music uh-huh. and just goes around. Oh, yeah. Pagano got off of it and like looked like he was going to throw up. He didn't speak any English at all, and I and you know here he is. He's going to win the Indy 500 like five years later, driving in circles. Um, but Robin had a rule. He, Robin would play that basketball game and literally outshoot anybody. It was unbelievable. And we would sit there and play that game. And his rule was, you always had to give the stuffed animal to a kid. Yeah. So he would find. The, the you know a two to three year old little kid and give him like a you know a nine foot tall Scooby Doo it was the best those things always transporting those from the uh, transporting I believe tra- whatever I said but put it, putting those in your car afterwards oh you always see that one person walking around it's like that's poor timing oh, the Barney the dinosaur they won at the fair <laughs> the tail sticking out of the trunk right now because <laughs> yeah. the dad didn't have any jumper cables or anything uh, we'll down. see if anybody uh, in addition to the I'm curious if anybody can guess the the game, my game that I love. Can't is it, walk is past it throwing it. throwing the dart at the balloons? No, no, no. It's not throwing the baseball. I did the... win a Def Leppard mirror one year doing that. Oh, I was like ten. <laughs> was it, what made it a Def Leppard mirror? It had Def Leppard. It was a on mirror it. with the Def Leppard logo on so just, it. Oh, okay, that's yeah. interesting. So every time you looked in it, you're like, pour some sugar on me. Yeah, it was before that song came out. But yeah, pretty much. Okay. I was probably actually like seventh grade. Throwing a baseball at the milk cans. Nope. Hmm, interesting. All right, well, we'll 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 think about that and everything right now. But right now, Indiana State Fair tickets, a four-pack to give away. Our final four-pack of the week. Callers one through eight. Jake, pick a number. Somebody just texted me and got the guess right away. Uh, we'll go with number four. I'm trying to think of, like, the games I've seen at the fair recently. So I can't walk past this one. It's I still, still current, obviously. Multiple, it's not been multiple tries, multiple tries. Just do it one time. So, Sam, who do we have? We've got Khalil. Khalil, Khalil, Khalil. come on up, come on up. Uh, Khalil, Good try, try to win yourself a prize. Win a prize with a little lady there. Khalil, don't, don't go home and in, 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 in. Oh boy, that's what I'm telling you. Those guys all stutter. They all oh, you yeah. can't understand them. Uh, Khalil, what's up? Hey, what's up? Good morning. You sound like a nice fellow. Have you called the show before? Um, not this show. I've called one of the other shows before. Now, Khalil, are you it's a, a native? Voyage. Are you a native of Indianapolis? I am. How old a fellow are you? Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight year old Khalil. Okay. And did you what side of town did you grow up on? I grew up on the northwest side. I graduated from Pike. I was gonna say Pike. Okay. Now, uh have you been to the state fair? Many times. Favorite you- dessert at or favorite snack at the fair? Oh man. I like the uh the Mexican corn on the cob. Oh yeah. yeah that's man. strong. That's yeah. a strong one. You gotta get the Lions Club corn on the cob. Tell them no butter. That throws them off. Khalil, um, <laughs> 
do you can you guess this isn't for the prize, but can you guess the game that I'm talking about? It's like the only game on the midway that Mark has yet to guess. I, I know what it is. I think I know now. Is it the one where they try to guess your weight that or was your my guess. age? Nope. Nope. Really? Oh, I'd, I'd slay it on the age, man. Everybody thinks I'm thirty. Oh, yeah, I'm right. like this kind of sexiness is a half century old. Get People are here. stunned by it. Get out of here. Um, all right, Khalil, we'll, we'll we'll continue guessing on the game, but you have a better question, right, Mark? Yeah, not to stroke Jake's ego anymore, but this question is based on Jake and especially yesterday's show. So if you're listening, this could this could be beneficial for you, Khalil. So here we go, Khalil. How often do you listen to this program, by the way? Um, mostly every morning, depending on how busy I am at work. Have you been? What sort of work do you do? I work for an insurance company. Okay. Have you been able to determine in the in the time that you've listened to this show what my favorite subject is? No. That'd be me. <laughs> I love me some me. So that's the subject matter of this. Yeah. Question. Unfortunately, I was like, I think I'm going to go with Jake's question. Uh, Jake question here. All right. So Kalila, yesterday on thir- on yesterday's edition of Kevin and Query, uh, Jake said there is one thing he has to get every year. When he goes to the Indiana State Fair. Of what the it, merchandise tents. What is it? Cologne, a wallet, sunglasses, or utter balm lotion? Oh, it's got to be the lotion. <laughs> Khalil, I'm going to give you one more guess on the game, okay? Since you missed that one. One more guess on the game that I always play every time I'm there. You get one more guess. You're walking along. You get there, and you're walking along the mid. Before you get to the midway, you've just gotten past the grilled cheese place. You're starting to get into where the games are. It's on the right-hand side. It's just before you get to the basketball carnies, and it's it's right there, and you're like, man, I got to do it. It's also one of the least expensive games. Is it the one where you squirt the water gun and try to get it to the top? Is that is it that one? See, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking of every game there is. What What else is there? What am I missing? Sam, do you have a uh, guess? Is it the ring toss or the ping pong ball toss where you try and get it on like a fish? <laughs> nope. No, sir. Mark, I'll let you determine and judge how we're doing the uh, giveaway here. All right, Khalil, you'll get one more guess. It is not utter balm lotion, so your options are cologne, wallet, or sunglasses. You get one more chance. If you don't get it right, we're going to It's always on the left-hand side. This guy's always on the left-hand side when you're walking up, uh, like kind of before the swine barn where you get kids asking what the Nerf footballs are. A wallet. I don't know. There you go. Khalil, there you go. Second time is indeed correct. Leather goods. I always buy something from the leather store. Keychain, whatever. I always like to So you're getting a four-pack of tickets. Stay on the line. Sam will get your information. Coming up next, though. Well, you want to reveal this or you want to hold it to the other side? You want to tease this thing? Eh, We'll keep it floating for a while. Okay. All right. Well, we've got George Bremer coming up, and and Jake will reveal his carny game of choice Coming up next, it's, it's Kevin and Query. Really easy. You get multiple tries, multiple tries. You're trying to win a prize for a little lady. Oh, Lord. Kevin and Query, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. So several people have been able to figure out via text the answer to my favorite game. And Sam guessed it in the break, and I have to admit, I don't think I saw this one at the Hendricks County Fair, so that is why it was somebody, on top of Somebody mine. else said that's the hardest game at the fair. Have you? I mean, you've won it multiple times, according, he, here's according the thing. to you. 
it is one of those games that it is the hardest game at the fair because it takes several attempts. But once you master it, then you can't unsee it. It's like once you once you get it right and you win, you're like, how did I not win? And then you can do it multiple times. Gotcha. I'll you, want, you want to reveal that or we're going to hold off yeah, on we'll that? hold off. Okay. Uh, joining us now in the Payless Stickers Hotline, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so. You can read his work at the Anderson, and I always forget George Bremer. Please forgive me. This is like my Dustin. Is it Dopirac? Yes. Uh, mental hurdle. Anderson Herald Bulletin or Bulletin Herald? Herald Bulletin. You had it right first time. And my apologies on that. I don't. I, honestly, I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's like a, a weird hurdle for me. But nonetheless, one of the leaders and more tenured writers covering the Indianapolis Colts. We were just talking about this, George, in terms of areas of need for Indianapolis. On a one to ten scale, your level of concern at this point about the cornerback or defensive back position? Oh man, I'd probably say seven on defensive backs and probably right around that range, seven or eight on quarterback. I mean, it's passing league. That's not breaking news for anybody, and uh, very little experience at those positions. So you figure there's going to be some severe growing pains. Uh, and it's it's all going to play out in front of, what, probably 70,000, 80,000 people a week. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how those young guys react to, to you know, what's going to be probably a really challenging year for them. There are no, definitely some big-name wide receivers that are coming on the schedule on a week-in and week-out basis. So Kenny Moore and company are going to get tested regularly <laughs> this whole 2023 season, which could could make for an interesting uh Interesting results, I'd say that, George. Uh, what did your What was your initial thoughts on the Indiana Knights jerseys that were uh, unveiled yesterday? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. Fans clamoring for you know alternate jerseys now, probably about as long as I've been on the beat, which has been a while now. And then this is kind of what they end up with. So uh, it felt like free agency a lot of times, where it's you know hurry up and do something, and and then as soon as something happens, why did you do that? Uh, for me, like from from my standpoint, sort of look like those kind of like fashion jerseys that you that you'd buy at Walmart. Not really maybe the look that you want to go for. Fashion uh, jerseys you'd those. buy at Walmart. There's the ring. Can we? I want to put that in bold letters right when you walk in the stadium. The fashion jerseys you'd buy at Walmart. You're right, George. That's not a ringing endorsement. No, you know and. It, it, it feels like that's sort of the, the the vibe you're getting from all corners on this one right now. George Bremer joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. George, um, Shaq Leonard posted the video earlier this week showing him working out a little bit. We we really haven't gotten much from him. Jim Mercer was on Pat McAfee's show last week and kind of, you know, he's like, well, we'll see. He's working hard, but we'll see. What do you expect to see from Shaq Leonard if you expect to see anything at all from him in 2023? I think that's, you know, aside from the quarterback, that's the biggest question right now around this team. You know, defensively, everything changes. If he's on the field and he's able to be the Shaq Leonard that, that we knew for the first three years in, in the NFL, um, I think we usually on Tuesday, you know, when they report, we'll sit down with Chris Ballard. That's probably going to be the first thing he gets asked. It's op- There's a little bit more optimism, I think, than there was a year ago just because, he seems to feel like that leg's better. He's got some feeling back in it. You know, that was a big problem last year. He said he couldn't even really feel, you know, anything in that left leg. And that's obviously going to 
hinder you on the football field. Uh, but it's not even just getting out there. I mean, that's that's the first big step, and I think that's the most important thing. If he would be out there, like, on Wednesday, I think that would be such a huge boost for this whole situation. But how long is it going to take for him to get back up to speed and be the maniac that he was, you know, for most of his career? He was a far cry from that last year. He's the first one to admit that. And I think that is among the most concerning things as you get ready for this season. George, your opinion, potential to be – let me rephrase that, not the bigger distraction. Which has more potential to be a distraction over the course deep into the year for the Colts? Shaquille Leonard's health or Jonathan Taylor's contract? I think Taylor's contract, as as concerning as as Shaq's situation is, they've been through that before. You know, they went through it all last year. Um, Zaire Franklin came in, did an excellent job. I think they have a lot of faith in EJ's speed and and what he can do if he has to fill in on that weak side. Uh, But with the Taylor situation, we've seen what's gone on with running backs throughout the league. Uh, that situation doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon. And I wonder how the locker room reacts to that. He's obviously very respected in that room. Uh, very seldom does somebody bring him up in, a, in an interview with us and not say something along the lines of he's the best running back in the NFL. And it'll be interesting to see how they react to, to his situation. And also the fans. Honestly, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to This train camp starts next week. Are they going to get behind Jonathan Taylor? Or, you know, there's kind of a split in the fan base, too. There's some people that think, uh, you know, very much believe that, that this running back situation in the NFL is what it is. And, you know, the Colts are, if they, if they have a hard line stance here, they're doing the right thing. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how the fans react, how the locker room reacts, and then, of course, how Taylor himself reacts. Do you think, uh, if you said the fashion jerseys look like they're from Meyer, would that would that have been you think an upgrade, or is that about the on the same parallel? I mean, they way back when Meyer like helped them sell out a, a playoff game, right? I think there was a blackout coming up, so I, it's got to be an upgrade, right? They have much longer <laughs> history with the franchise. I guess if you're going with blackout uniforms, they should have just gone back to Meyer for that, right? As opposed to Walmart, but um, yeah. George Synergy. That's right. Um, how close? relatively speaking, so I, I want to give the parameter here. When I say how close is Anthony Richardson, the answer to that is obviously going to be not at all. I mean, he's a rookie that we haven't even, you know, he hadn't even done anything, right? But through the mini camp, in terms of what you would expect someone to look like who has been a top 10 pick at quarterback, but he doesn't have a lot of college experience, how close do you think he looked to what you would anticipate from someone in that situation? Yeah, it, he looked a lot like what we expected to see, I think. You know, the, there was inconsistency, as you would assume there's going to be, uh, especially in the red zone. I think that's where the biggest struggles are right now, uh, and that just makes sense. I mean, the, the windows get so much tighter down there. Decision-making has to happen so fast. Uh, I think on down-to-down, you know, that there's going to be growing pains. There's no question about that. Uh, those those crossers, you know, short intermediate passes over the middle. But that deep ball, he's already elite there. I mean, I think that's a situation where he's going to keep some defenses honest just because they know he's at the arm strength, but his ball placement is really good. Uh, if, if the receivers can, can get open and can get past that, that second line of the defense, I think 
he can make some big plays happen there. And then obviously we didn't see a lot with his legs yet because you're not going to see that out here, you know, in, in practices with no pads. But that's something that on, on film and, and you would expect that's going to be a strength for his game too. So I think those are two good, you know, foundation pieces to kind of start with. What you're going to need to see from him is that consistency, the footwork. You know, there's a lot of work to do, and everybody involved with the team has said that. I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. I think that's what we saw in the handful of practices we saw this spring, uh, and it's going to be an ongoing process throughout the season. Do you expect Anthony Richardson to be the day, week one starter for this team, or are they going to go with Gardner Minshew first? Yeah, you know, million-dollar question right there, but I, I think – they want it to be Richardson, and they're not going to hand him anything. But I do believe that, you know, if you draw up the, the perfect world scenario right now for Chris Ballard, Jim Irsay, Jane Sykin, they want Richardson to earn that job. Uh, and I think his teammates are kind of when, – when you hear them talk, you know, a lot of them are talking like he's a starter right now. And I think that tells you something about how quickly he's made an impact in that locker room, but also – just how enticing those physical skills are. I think they're as excited to see what he can become as anyone else. It's interesting because, George, Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, when they drafted Malik Willis, Tannehill basically said, like, look, it's, it's not my job to, to groom this guy. I, I'm, I'm here to, to start and play and whatever else. Um it does feel like Gardner Minshew, one of the real benefits of Gardner Minshew is that, and I realize he's not the incumbent, but I think he's pretty realistic, at least seemingly, about the situation, right? Like Minshew seems to be, to me, George, to be a guy that's like, hey, if they need me to start three games and hand the keys over, I'm cool with that. If they need me to start 16 games and tutor in the film room, I'm cool with that. And if they want me to just simply sit in the locker room and get checks by being in his ear, I'm cool with that too. Is that a fair assessment from what you can tell of Gardner Minshew? Absolutely. And I think that's a big part of the reason he came in. I mean, he obviously, Shane Sykin knows him well. He knows this offense well. Uh, but he's definitely been a guy that is just rolling with the punches. And, and he has since the very first day that, that we talked to him. You know, when he signed back in March, uh, he was then, he was very open about the idea that there were no promises. He knew there was in all likelihood, a rookie coming in. He didn't know who that was at that time. Uh, and he said then, you know, whatever role they, they want me to fill. And guys say that all the time. I think Minshew really means it. I mean, he just seems like a really easygoing guy. Um, and I think he's been around the league long enough now. It's just four years, but I think he's been around the league long enough now to know, as Matt Ryan said last year a, a million times, anything can happen. You know, no matter what the plan might be right now, no matter how things start week one, he he could go in thinking he's going to just do checks and, and, you know, be that mentor off the field, and, and he could end up playing 10, 11, 12 games. You never know. I think he's going with that mindset. Uh, but he's definitely a guy who who's willing and enthusiastic about helping to develop this rookie and, you know, trying to get Anthony Richardson where he needs to be. George Bremer of the Herald Bulletin joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. George, what are some expectations uh, for Michael Pittman Jr. this season? Caught a lot of balls last year but didn't crack 1,000 yards. He's entering a contract season, but he's got a rookie quarterback potentially going to be his main starter. Uh, what do you see from Michael Pittman Jr. heading into the year? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, Taylor gets all the, the contract talk with good reason. That, that's where the situation is right now. Pittman's in a situation where if he can have a big year, 
that the receiver market is in much better shape than the running back market is. You know, if he can go out, kind of bet on himself this year, put up big numbers with the rookie quarterback, then he's probably looking at a really good payday. Uh, you know, at the end of the road here, I think it's. I thought it was interesting last year. Yardage obviously wasn't you know where he wants it to be and and where anyone would want it to be, but for him to get so close to 100 catches in really a revolving door at quarterback, that was. That was pretty impressive, being able to get through all of that, continue to be a guy that each new quarterback relied on. And I think that's what he's got to do now this year. If Richardson is the guy, you know, there's going to be growing pains. We've talked about that already a couple times you know, just today. And I think Pittman has to be that guy that Richardson can count on. He knows where he's at. Uh, he's on time. He catches the ball when, when you put it there, you know. That, I think, is the most important thing that he can do for this franchise right now. Give Richardson that sense of confidence back there uh, because there's going to be so many other things going on in this rookie's mind, so much chaos around him. He needs that security blanket. I think Pittman's at a point in his career where he can provide that, and I think that's the most important thing he can do in 2023. George Brimmer is our guest. George, he's on the Payless Sigurds Hotline. We know what training camp did for the town of Anderson, for the city of Anderson. Um, we know what it did for Terre Haute, for that matter. I think there are a lot of fans in that area because I got to go see the Colts at Rose Holman when it was there. Obviously now in Grand Park, I know that that still has, I think, five years left on that deal somewhere in there. But I noticed that it does seem to be getting shorter and shorter. Part of that's I'm older. But are we trending towards the direction of eventually training camp simply being at 56th Street? Yeah, you know, I hope not, but that's the way the league's gone, right? I mean, they, there are very few teams. The Colts are, are on a very short list now of teams that go away for any length of time. Uh, but I, I just think the whole training camp atmosphere, there's so many fans that this is the only time of year that they get to see this team in person. You know, the rest of the time it's on TV. Uh, even people who are regularly at Lucas Oil Stadium out there at Westfield, you're so much closer to the action. You have the opportunity to interact with these players at times. Uh, and I think it's good for the players, too. When you're at West 56 and there's nobody there, there's not as much juice. I mean, I think that's it's human nature. You get out there and there's fans and they're screaming. Uh, you know, it, the atmosphere, I think, is, is really special at, at all the camps that are still out there. You know, I just think it's one of the areas in the NFL that, uh, I would hate to see it go you know, away completely, but it really does feel like wherever that point is in the future, it, it's definitely where things are headed. Yeah, it, it, and George, you're old enough, and you're not old, but to <laughs> to remember, especially those in Anderson when you covered it, I keep saying, I mean, it was like guys showing up for summer camp. I mean, they're carrying in pillows, and you know, one guy's got a Nintendo, and he's the most popular guy on the floor. I guess it obviously would be Xbox or whatever. But um, it literally was like Rocky and Russia, right? Like getting away from everything to go train. And now I look at it, and I go, wait a minute. They're doing like 12 practices, and then they're right back to where they were, right? I mean, it is. I get it. I, I get it. I mean, it, the, the NFLPA is pretty powerful. But it just feels like all of the like junction boys type stuff of yesteryear is starting to become with each year more and more passe in terms of the the like tough guys sweat it out nearly drop to your knees mentality, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I'm still old enough to remember two days. You know, and when they when they first got back to Anderson, uh, they had two practices a day, and then both of them were open. And now it's you know one walkthrough and one practice, and I think it's all part of that. Yeah, like you're talking about, it's all part of that same you know philosophy here. More rest in the off season, more, and that's why the the there's only 13 practices this year. There's a lot more off days built in than even what it felt like a year ago. In uh, you know, I will say the Colts seem a little more committed to the idea of, of staying at least part of the off season, uh, you know, out at a training camp away from their regular facility than, than many franchises. They talk a lot about the value of this. I think a lot of that's what you were just mentioning, getting away, making it all football all the time, even if it's, you know, three weeks. Uh, it's just a situation I think that really helps with team bonding. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know. It's it's definitely you know on the ex- extinction list in, in NFL right now across the board. Do you think the less practices are a help or a hindrance as far as getting players ready for the regular season? Definitely a hindrance, especially for the linemen. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things across the league. One of the challenges they have: the offensive line doesn't have a lot of like live reps, so to speak. I think those joint practices you're seeing those happen more and more. They help a little bit more with that because it's just a little more physical. It's a little more game-like, you know, than, than a normal practice. Um, and also, you know, the young guys. I think there's just not a lot of time. It's, if you look at, like, undrafted rookies who aren't going to get a ton of snaps out there anyway, and then you just don't have that much time with them. I think if you would go back to, you know, the 80s when the Colts first moved here, and I think the rookies got there like a month before training camp started, to today, I think it's so much harder now for a rookie to, to find his legs and find a spot in the team, but you know a lot of them are finding a way to do it. George, what do you consider to be the amount of time before you can truly adequately assess a quarterback? I think three years is sort of the accepted number. I think that's a good one. You know, By then, they've kind of adjusted to whatever scheme they're in and adjust to the game and speed of the game, uh, all the demands that, that are on you as an NFL quarterback. I think we underestimate the travel. You know, it's one of the things I remember, um, you know, listening to some of the people talk about Lionel Messi coming to MLS. And, you know, the travel in that league is just uh, European players don't, don't deal with it. You know, they, they don't have anything like an East Coast to West Coast trip uh, that they've had to deal with. And I think you don't really deal with that as a college football player either. Um, some, you know, you might get it once a year if you're in a big conference, but most of the time you're pretty much in your region at least. Uh, and now you're going to, you know, play a game in New York, play a game in Miami, these long, long flights and things. It takes a while to adjust to all of that. Uh, so I think year three is, is kind of the right time. You feel like once that third season's over, you know what you need to know about a quarter most of the time. Okay. So. I'm going to play a fun game with you, George Brimmer, before we let you go. George Brimmer, our guest, Payless Hickers Hotline. Um, you said year three. I'm going to give you four quarterbacks that are entering year number three, I believe. And I want you to tell me where they're going to be three years from now. You ready? I'm ready. Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be a top ten, if not top five quarterback in the NFL. Zach Wilson. Might be in Canada. Trey Lance. 
Trey Lance is a mystery. He's the guy that kind of bucks this uh, because you really haven't seen him on the field yet. I mean, a lot of it has to do with injury. Uh, but right now, I would say he's not trending in a, in a positive direction. He might be a guy who needs a fresh start. Justin Fields. I think you're going to see him be very much like Lamar Jackson is now in three years. Okay. Kyle Trask. I'm going to say he's going to hang around as, a, as that sort of wanted, coveted backup kind of guy. Not quite a starter. Like an Andy Dalton type? Yeah, like an Andy Dalton type. Fair. Interesting. Laura, I saw a thing from ESPN where they interviewed or did a survey or whatever with, I think it was 50, combination of general managers, scouts, and coaches, league-wide, all anonymous, and asked each of them to rank their 20 best quarterbacks in the league and then scored them based on that. They only released the top 10, and they had Trevor Lawrence as number eight after year two. I mean, I, you know, Lawrence, to me, last year in the second half of the season, I admittedly am biased because I watched every game he played at Clemson. But in the second half of the season, George, he looked like a guy that took a major step forward, and it was like, yep, now they're starting to see why he was the number one overall pick. And now it just becomes a question, right, of whether or not he can consistently play at that level. A hundred percent. Now you've got to adjust to, you know, the league's going to adjust to you, and you've got to readjust to that. Like that's For quarterbacks, that's one of the toughest things. You make your name, and then they're going to change, you know, what they're doing to you. And it, But I think the most important thing from Lawrence's standpoint last year at the end of the year, he lifted that whole team around him. And that's when you're the number one pick, that's what you they want to see you do. Pick that team up off the mat, took them into the playoffs, won a first-round game. That, to me, is a franchise quarterback. George Bremer joining us for another minute from the Herald Bulletin on the Pale Slickers Hotline. George, last one from me. More complicated contract for Chris Ballard to hammer out, Jonathan Taylor's or Michael Pittman Jr.'s? Yeah, Taylor's, I think, just because – the Pittman thing, we, we kind of know where the receiver market is. You know, if you're good enough, $20 million is like the baseline. Uh, you, you may not want to pay that, but you know what the league is, is asking now. You swallow hard and, and make it happen. Taylor, you just it just feels like the running backs don't have much leverage right now, if any. You know, around the league, they're, they're, they're just not getting these, these deals that they think they deserve. Uh, and now you've got a guy who, you know, when they, when they put those new jerseys out, his is the one I see on, on all the social media ads. You know, it's number 28 everywhere. Uh, how they balance this is going to be, I think, really, really complicated and, and really interesting to watch play out. It's hard to get top money as a Honda Prelude when the used car lot has 10,000 Honda Accords. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, that's, that's a really good analogy, and that's where the running backs find themselves right now. Yeah, it's interesting. George, appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you over the course of the season and your coverage of camp as well. No problem. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, George Brimmer on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Pop quiz is upcoming. Should I reveal the, the game? I think you should, yeah, because I don't think a lot of people are going to get it. Morning check down. You don't think so? Well, I mean, I took eight guesses, and I didn't get it. Then when you mentioned, when Sam guessed, I was like, I don't think I saw that at the Hendricks County Fair. I don't know if I've seen that at a fair period in like a decade. Come so on. Well, it's I'm just like saying, the first game that you come up the on. First it's game. a very popular boardwalk game. Growing up on the East Coast when I was in yes. Philly, there's plenty of boardwalks boardwalk in game. Indianapolis. We all know that. <laughs> Let's get to the checkdown first. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. That sound you hear is the flapping wings of the cute fella. 
The Baltimore Orioles have surged their way to the lead in the American League East after beating Tampa yesterday 4-3. For the first time this year, somebody other than the Rays leads that division, and it is cute fella, as they are all alone in first Cardinals over the Cubs yesterday, 7-2 in Major League Baseball. Use the male plop sounder for that one, I would say. (laughs) Reds over the Giants, 5-1, and the Brewers over the Phillies, for nothing. Indianapolis Indians got back in the win column. They beat the Iowa Cubs in extras five to three. Got my Jake, hat. Jake, I'm going, going baby. Saturday. I Saturday. I talked to um, Randy Lewandowski of the Indians yesterday, who is just the coolest dude ever, and said, "Hey man, I think we're going to try to go over." And then some of the guys from the radio network were they were like, "Oh okay, we'll see." It's a long day at the track, and I'm like, "Come on, man." Triber in town in Iowa. Yeah, I'm going. I don't know how many else are going. See if they have any beer bats there. I want you to report back to me if they've got any beer bats there. In Iowa? Yeah, at the game. Okay. I wonder what – is there like a an Iowan beer? I don't know. Corn sure. lager? I, I apparently I, – Hawkeye I to, lager? I, I haven't been to an Indians game in a little bit. The last time I was at Victory Field was for the Savannah Bananas game. Somebody sent me a picture that the uh, the, the the beer bat has been redesigned. Really? Before you had to just hold it. Now it's the Indiana Now there's Boys a diamond – there's a base on the bottom, like an actual like baseball. Oh, really? And you can – Set it down, so you don't have to hold it the whole time. Is that is that, that is convenient? Cost? That is called forward thinking. Is that additional cost? I don't think so. Did they sell beer at the Savannah Bananas game? They did. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't partake because I had to be driving afterwards. Understood. And all that, but uh, yeah, they held. Now wait to... a minute. I just googled top rated beers of Iowa. Number one, Kentucky Brunch Brand Stout. Well, that can't be Iowan, right? No, that. I mean, maybe it's the most popular, but not. Yeah, you should say like a local. Twelve percent alcohol. Come on. Oh. The Vanilla Bean Assassin, 12.8%. Nick Yeoman would be carrying you out of there if you drink I mean, that beer. Some of these, uh, like here's one. Kentucky Brunch Brand Stout Double Barrel Reserve, mm-hmm. 15.8% alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Like, that's the only problem. I'm telling you, you microbrew people. More often than not, people want something that's just a 4.5 or 5%. That's it. I, if you've got to bring it out in like some little round glass that I've got to drink like I'm drinking wine because it's like 21%, oh, yeah. come on. Yeah, my, my brother my – I want a beer, not a syrup. My brother who worked at Beans Beverage Depot in Illinois, he'd at Christmas time he'd bring like, this is a double stout right here. It's pretty heavy. I'm like, yeah, I don't want it. I don't want to feel like I can't move after I right. drink a beer. That was the problem with that, not your your dad's root beer. It was like you have two of them like, Ugh. I just got a sugar high afterwards. Um, here we go. Ira Craft Beers, Exile Brewing Company, and then there's Big Grove Easy Eddie Hazy IPA, and the Confluence Brewing Company Milkman Stout. Can I just get? See, I'm not a, I'm not an IPA guy that much either. They all taste the same to me. The best game at the Indiana State Fair, if you were to ask me, is as soon as you get there and you start walking along on the right hand side, just past the basketball shots is the always popular game. It is usually 25 cents per roll. The bowling ball on the two metal tracks, and you've got to get it up over the hump, but with just enough inertia that it goes over, but not enough to come back to you. 25 cents per roll. Inflation hasn't caught up to the bowling game over there? No, no, no. Interesting. I'm just telling you. Well, there you go. There's the big reveal, Jake's uh, Carney game. The of bowling choice. ball rolling game is we've, the best game at the state fair. We've got a game of our. We've got a game of our own coming up next. There, I see you all going. Step right Game of our own coming up next. It's the pop quiz. It is the last pair of tickets to WWE Fastlane that we have for the week. So give us a call 317-239-1070. The pop quiz is next. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5 The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Holy Mark, uh, what are your weekend plans? Weekend plans, like I said at the beginning of the week, this is going to be the start of, I feel like I say this all the time, but the Dykton household is going to be doing a lot of driving. Uh, that That's is the, every. That, I, I know, but no, it really. I mean, we do. You last, have a house here. You, are, are you raising nomads? <laughs> we do, but th- this is the week when it starts like hell on earth because my uh, my my youngest brother Scott and his fiance Emily are getting married uh, in in next summer, but they are having a barbecue get together and they live up in Milwaukee. So Ashley and I are driving up to Milwaukee for tomorrow's barbecue, and then we are dropping the girls off at Grandma and Grandpa's in Illinois. So, Mom and Dad get to little uh, get a little let down their hair a little bit at the barbecue on Saturday. Then the girls get to play at the pool with Grandma and Grandpa. So, doing that this weekend, and then yeah, some PTO coming up at the end of next week. So that's another drive, a travel situation. And then we've got my uncle's golf outing a couple weeks later. Girls start school, so it's going to be – this is – the grind has begun for the Dykton household, and in particular me behind the wheel driving a lot of places. And you're going to Iowa, right, what, right after the show or a little later? No, I'll probably drive over tonight. You driving solo? You got – Solo, baby. Oh, my, my – you know, and a lot of people ask, so like, why do you not fly? Um, well, by, by the time that happens, it'd be about the that's, same – that's why. The thing is, so – IndyCar has done charters. We used to do char- almost exclusively charter. Um, now we fly. When we fly, we fly commercial. But the problem with a place like Des Moines, there's no direct flight. So you go, you fly to either Chicago, usually Chicago. You have a layover for like an hour and a half or two hours, and then get to. By the time you land, it's literally six to one half dozen the other. Uh-huh. Um, my favorite thing, quite frankly, about, and I, I don't mean this as a knock on anybody. No offense to you, Kevin, Nick, Mark, Michael, Georgia, that I work with on the radio network. One of my favorite things about the IndyCar weekends when I travel is being is the travel alone. I was going to say, Jay Quarry alone with his thoughts in the car, that's like heaven on earth for I you. I mean, I just, just entertain myself. You just listen to the Carolina Panthers Roar theme song. Give myself pop quizzes the loop. whole way. No, I actually just put on some music and or like, a book on tape or something, and off we go, right? There you go. Oh, it's well, a boring drive, though, from here to Iowa. It's an easy drive, but it is boring. Oh, yeah. It's it's not fun, I can imagine. But anyway, it is pop quiz time, and if you are a WWE fan, this is the last time to get WWE Fastlane tickets, at least for now. I've not been told that we have more, but this is at least the last pair of tickets we have this week. So we've got full phone lines as expected. Jake, a number one through eight. Uh, I will drive through, other than Indiana, only two states – so I'll go with two. Sam, number that is two. Bobby. Bobby. What's going on, man? How are you doing this morning? What's up, guys? I'm good. How are you guys? Bobby, you sound like an eager and happy fellow. Are you typically a, a good mood guy? Yeah, I am. And you're how old a fellow, Bobby? I'm 30. 30 year old Bobby, okay. Are you a WWE and- fan, Bobby? I'm sorry? Are you a WWE fan? Not at all, but I can probably find somebody to give the tickets to if I win. There you go. Bobby, who would you say is the most famous Bobby? When you tell people your name is Bobby, what's the Bobby they most often reference? Um, Bobby Boucher, the fictional character from Waterboy. Okay. I would have said, if you were a little bit older guy, it'd definitely be Bobby Knight, right? Bobby Brown? Bobby Bobby Brown? Bobby Labonte. How about Bobby Brady? Bobby Brady, yeah. Tackling few. 
Uh, Bobby, are you a native of Indianapolis? Yes, sir. And you grew up on what side of town? Uh, the east side. And so did you go to Warren? I went to Cecina. Cecina, okay, that's cool. If you had not gone to a private school and within your township, you would have gone where? Um, yeah, probably Warren. Okay. Um, all right, Bobby, would you like for me, that would be Jake, or for Mark to lead you off with question number one? Uh, let's go, Jake. All right. Bobby, would you want to come to my PBR party? Diet Cokes are perfectly sufficient. Would, would you want to come and hang out and have a PBR? Dude, I would love to. <laughs> okay. Here we go, Bobby. Question number one. On this date in 1967, Hall of Famer Jimmy Fox passed away. His 534 home runs were the second highest total all time when he retired behind only Babe Ruth at the time. He also won two World Series. He won those two World Series, did Jimmy Fox, with which team? Was it the Boston Red Sox, the Philadelphia Athletics, the St. Louis Cardinals, or the Detroit Tigers? Uh, I am not sure on this one. I'll tell you this. The the franchise moved. Athletics. Okay. All right, Bobby. Question two. Speaking of homers, Shohei Otani leads the majors with 35 home runs. Who leads the National League with 32? Is it Pete Alonso of the New York Mets, Matt Olson of the Atlanta Braves, Mookie Betts of the L.A. Dodgers, or Kyle Schwarber of the Philadelphia Phillies? Uh, I'm going to go Alonzo. Just, I know he's a big hitter. I'm going to go Alonzo. Okay. Question three for you, Bobby. The Colts begin training camp on Tuesday. That's when they report. There are two schools that each have three players on the Colts camp roster. Alabama, not surprisingly, is one of them. Is the other Wyoming, Brigham Young, Illinois, or Florida? You said three players? Correct. On the camp roster. Doesn't mean they're going to make the final roster, but at camp. We drafted that lineman out of BYU. I will tell you, these guys don't have far to drive. What were the options? Uh, That'd be Wyoming, Brigham Young, Illinois, or Florida. Illinois. Okay. All right, Bobby, here's a WWE question you probably know nothing about, but we can try it anyway. The Undertaker's WrestleMania win streak was stopped at WrestleMania 30 when he was pinned by Brock Lesnar. What was the Undertaker's final record at WrestleMania before he retired? Was it 20 and 1, 23 and 1, 25 and 2, or 27 and 1? Let's go 27 and 1. Okay. Okay, last question for you, Bobby. 54 years ago yesterday, Purdue grad Neil Armstrong took the first step on the moon. He was joined, of course, by Buzz Aldrin. Where did Aldrin go to college? Because everybody knows Neil Armstrong went to Purdue, but what about Buzz Aldrin? Was his college A, West Point, B, Georgia Tech, C, Cal Poly, or D, MIT? I, I, was, I don't know. The first thing that came to mind was Georgia Tech. Let's go Georgia Tech. You know, I'll tell you this. I'm guessing that it's the one place that would be the most strict about you not getting Buzz Aldrin's first name while you're at, at school. West Point. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby, were you a college guy? Did you go to college? No, man. I went to Cecina, and then I went straight to work. Nothing wrong with that. What sort of work do you do? Uh, I've been in outdoor power equipment sales for like 10 years. Do you enjoy it? Yeah. you have kids? Yep. I've got two boys. Okay. And they're how old? Uh, One's eight, and one is two. That's cool. They play like youth sports or anything? Oh, yeah, man. My eight-year-old is all baseball all the time. Oh, yeah. You, you posting videos all the time of him in the batting cage on FaceTube uh, or on Facebook for all your friends to enjoy? Yeah. I coach this travel team. It is a lot. 
especially at eight years old, it's ridiculous at times, but it's fun. What what percent of the dads uh, that you coach their kids are convinced that their kid's the next Chipper Jones? Oh, 75%. What, per- many, what percent are convinced th- that you're the coach holding them back? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> how many How many of them use the term drip when referring to their child's <laughs> apparel? Look at Dude, the drip game the, he's got boys, going. All the boys talk about drip. They sell chains like at their U-trip tournaments, you know, that like they look like Ellie De La Cruz out there. It's ridiculous. Now, what, what's with the – when did they start doing the rings? I don't know, man. I mean, when I was a kid, it was trophies. And, yeah, now if you win a tournament, you get a ring. Uh, maybe they're cheaper. I don't know. Does every kid get a ring? Yeah, every kid on the team gets a ring, but only if you – I mean, if you win the tournament, it's not like the participation trophy type deal. Because here's the thing. Everybody moans today about how we're the particip- participation trophy. You know, you hear all those people that are like, oh, we're just raising all these soft kids with participation trophies. Yeah. Bobby, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm 50 years old. Every league I played in before the age of 12, we got a participation trophy, right? Uh, yeah, probably at yeah. that age. That's what I mean. Like, it's not – people act like this was invented five years ago. Well, and then what was the generation that came up with participation trophy? Who's giving the kids right, all these exactly. things? Oh, interesting. All right, here we go. Uh, question number one, Jimmy Fox, indeed. He did play with four franchises. Philadelphia A's is where he won two World A little series. bit of a struggle after that. Uh, Shohei Otani leads the majors with 35 home runs. Who leads the National League? He said Pete Alonso is actually Matt Olson of the Atlanta Braves with 32. His sister, Nellie, by the way, is very rude. Uh, <laughs> Illinois is correct for question number three. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. I called him last night. I go, Matt, I need your help with a question. We looked it up. It is Illinois that has three players on the Colts roster. Uh, Buzz Aldrin did, in fact, go to West Point. The WWE answer mark the is? WWE question, uh, Undertaker's re- WrestleMania streak stopped at WrestleMania 30. What was his final WrestleMania record before he retired? He said 27-1. and one. It was actually... 25-2. and two. He lost again to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33. That, that's all scripted, right? No. I mean, the, the results are, just are are determined, but the actual athletic abilities and you know physical use is, is all did they, real. Did they get rings and participation trophies? Uh, no, he retired. And he is in the WWE Hall of Fame, so he does have a ring, but no. They don't just hand them out at every WrestleMania or anything like that. They have championship belts. So anyway, Bobby, hang on the line. It's a freebie Friday, so you get the pair of tickets to WWE Fastlane, which is October 7th at Gainbridge Fieldhouse, and you also get the Jiffy Lube oil change. So Sam will gather your information there. By the way, somebody just sent me this. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Jake, I'm 41, and I've never seen anyone get a participation trophy when I was a kid. Come on. That's that, I mean, we would have like assemblies and it'd be like, hey, you were seventh in attendance. I mean, Here's your ribbon. When, when you were like seven years old playing T baseball, every single kid got a little trophy. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I feel like to an extent also, it just depended on who the coach was. I remember at like 10, I got a participation trophy. At 11, I didn't. And then I did again at 12. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just the coach's call at this point. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I have a bunch of trophies that, like, I mean, there's some, it's like, you know, U7 soccer, fifth place. I'm like, oh, okay. And there's a little soccer I mean, ball I think we just got goal a, on it. I don't even think it was like to commemorate that you like accomplished something. It was just to show like as a memoir of your season. Yeah, it's kind a of little, like a trophy with the little base, the guy standing in the baseball bat. And then at the bottom, you know, it just said like 19, Allisonville Christian Church, 1979, White Sox. Okay. Yeah. Just a memory of the fact that I played on that it's team. Probably, it's probably included in the fee that you had to pay for Little League exactly. or soccer or something exactly. like that. Like, hey, you get a trophy at least. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. so there you go. Bobby, hang on the line. We are going to wrap this show up on the other side of it. You're listening to Kevin and Query, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. 
You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jake is headed off to Iowa a little later in the day. And, Jake, I've got a pit stop for you. I'm curious if you'll be able, if it'll be on your route or uh, if you'd be willing to stop. Is it in West Branch? No, it's in Pontiac, Illinois. Okay. Wally's. Oh, really? Uh-huh. How far up the interstate? I don't know. I have to do a little more research, yeah, but I was check. like, well, if you're on the way to Iowa, well, that's the clo- that, there's on only 74? a couple locations. Is it I'm on looking s- right now. Uh, well, that can't be right. I'm looking up Pontiac, Illinois. There's a there is one, I will say this. About halfway through the state of Illinois on I-74, there is nothing between Champaign and Peoria. I mean, it's depressing. But there is one gas station. It's like an oasis. I think it's a BP. And inside the gas station, there's like three racks of chips, fountain drinks, and then four slot machines. Oh. And typically, there's like three 90-pound liver spots smoking like Kent 110 cigarettes that are 80% ash sitting there playing the slot machines. And every year, I think to myself, that's the most depressing scene I've ever encountered. Well, you just called them liver spots. Well, that's what they are. My God. Looks like Wally's, there's a couple options. You can take 65, or you can take 74. And they're about they're identical, you know, three hours and 14 minutes you away. 55? It's on 55. I'm saying the direct, the main route looks like 65 or 74, and then it gets you to 55, which is where Wally's is located. You can do that. What else are you doing? So wait a minute. It's is on it, the way to Iowa. You're fine. Take a little detour. How far is the Wally's off of I-74? Let's see. This is fascinating radio. By the uh, way, I-65 I would never intersect I-55. No, I mean, you do a little... You do, zigging and zagging like you go from 65 to 57 but you still i mean that's that's still doable you can do it what are you doing audio you said books on tape Stop 57 and 65 would also be parallel you're getting there i'm looking at the route right now you just jump off 65 you cut through remington you jump on i'm looking right at it you're fine you got it do it Document, but Interstate 57 and Interstate 65 would not intersect one another. No, you can. I'm saying you go. Oh, you're on 65, and you go. Oh, you go past 57, and you get over to 55, and you get to Wally's. Sounds perfectly doable. You take what to get from 65 to 55? I mean, are we really doing Google Maps on the radio? What I'm saying to you is, I know this much. Okay, I was like seven years old with my participation trophies <laughs> when I knew that an odd-numbered interstate in the U.S. interstate system runs north and south, and an even-numbered interstate runs east and west, and a two, a four, or a six interstate is a bypass that is intersected by the last two numbers. Follow I-65 north to U.S. 24 west and U.S. 52 thank west you. to IL-116 with County Road 2600 yeah, no north and Ashcom. Then follow IL-116 west. You're done. It's it, Illinois, Mark. I know what it Illinois. is. I'm just saying. That seems totally doable. Again, it's on the way. You'll be right out by side, right by Streeter, Illinois. I might stop in West Branch at the Herbert Hoover Home and Library. Oh, I always enjoy it. You've been there, done that. Do I know, Wally's. It's Come on. If Wally's is right off the interstate, I'll do it. The other thing that I do do, and this is how I know I'm 90, um, a lot of times if I'm on the road, we did this when Shannon and I went to Kansas to go see the Kansas-West Virginia game last year. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. 
and I actually took the time to to research. And right off of I seventy outside of St. Louis, there is a Costco. And I'm like, well, that's where I'm filling up. There you go. Because I it's like thirty cents cheaper oh, yeah, than everywhere for sure. else. So there is a Costco in Iowa. So I'll fill up here and then fill up there, and I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. And then stop at Wally's and I could get stop a at Wally's report. and do some some checkout for you. Do you think it's okay? Let me ask you this. Bucky's was the precursor to Wally's, right? Yes. Bucky's mascot is what? Oh, it's right here on my shirt. It's a, Correct. It's a beaver. Okay. Do you think it's almost like a like a subtle jab? Who's Beaver's older brother? Wally. Yeah. That what? has to be where the name comes from, right? It has to be. Yeah, and I think what and then the the mascot for that is like a Yogi Bear knockoff. Correct. It is a it is definitely a Yogi Bear knockoff. But we're getting a Wally's here, right? We are. That's why I'd like you to give a full scouting report when you get back from Iowa. And meanwhile, Sam, because he's from Pennsylvania, thinks that Wawa's in the conversation, no, and it's like, yeah, not no, even no. close. I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize, Sam, but that that is fact. it is the filet mignon of gas stations. But hard disagree. You've not been to Bucky's or Wally's, right? I have not. No. Okay. Hard disagree. Here's the thing. What's the nicest? Like it's not even. I don't disagree that Wawa is nice, but Wawa is in like the get-go category. I think get-go is a copycat of Wawa. Okay, sure. what I'm saying is in time, in terms of their square footage, their offerings, and, and size. the size, yes, they are in the get-go and Wawa are in. They are literally like double A. Yes, Bucky's and Bucky's is how big is a Bucky's? How many square feet? Like thousands. Of feet. I, I mean, Quality hundreds doesn't of need pumps. more than three hundred square feet. What's that? Quality doesn't need more than 300 square feet. Oh boy. But what about if that quality comes in 350 different items as opposed to five? I mean, you're telling me right now I can get five A-plus ranked items or 300 C-minus no. items. I'm telling I'm, you. I'm at, getting the five A-plus. If you go to Bucky's, like literally, the one thing about Bucky's that I'll say, they are spotlessly clean, every single one of oh, them. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And they have... 75 people working, all of which are like, I don't know what they're taking or feeding these people, but they all look like, I mean, it, these people make Chick-fil-A look like um, they're listening. It makes the Chick-fil-A people look like they're listening to the cure. Like they're, they are like so happy that you wonder what's going on with these people. What are they giving them? I don't know if it's the coconut pudding, which is fabulous. The bread pudding, which is better. The brisket, which is really good. The rattlesnake jerky garlic flavor, which is uh-huh. great. I don't know if they're sleeping in the Bucky's pajamas that are available there. I don't know if it's a clothing. I don't know if it's the old truck that's inside that's spotlessly clean. I don't know what it is, but like it is unbelievable. And like literally the bathrooms are, are like the Taj Mahal. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. Go to a Bucky's and get back to us. Jake, you go to a Wall, uh, Wally's and you get back to us as well because you're off to Iowa after this. So have fun. Have a safe travel. And we'll see I'll you try. Night. Yeah. I'll try to do it. Um, and then we will talk about, obviously, Colts camp getting set Tuesday. They report we will be out at the Grand Park, uh, all hands on deck, and we'll be out several times, the first of which will be Tuesday for Colts camp. You folks have a great weekend, and we will talk to you Monday, 7 a.m., 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.